What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride uh hi everybody i hope you guys are doing okay everybody okay stop screaming at the tv it has happened i know you guys just saw the last scene of pd stop screaming stop screaming it's time to listen take a breath take, take a, a breath, breath. Yes. yeah yes um but it's okay. Like if you need to scream, scream because Lord knows we did after we saw PD. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, it, it's season premiere night. Oh my God. It's the best night ever. It's the best. Uh, you guys know why we're here. We're about to recap <laughs> the episodes that you just watched. Uh, holy crap. I, they're back. And it was three like solid, strong premieres. I was going to say, there wasn't an episode that I didn't like. Like, I really enjoyed Med, actually. Fires was another solid episode. PD's was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all three really, really solid. Yeah, just fantastic. Great return for all three shows. Just solid. I'm, I'm just so excited that we're back to this point And it's just, you know, I know. Yeah, moving moving along as normal. So uh, by now, you have already heard our interview with Chicago Mets' Kristen Hager. Um, mm-hmm. She was wonderful. Make sure you go listen to that if you haven't yet. You've also heard our interview with Joe Minoso. Uh, so go check that one out as well. Uh, and and we're just we're just moving right along. So uh, we we've got news because again we're back in the swing and we've got a lot of news. So buckle up, you guys. This is going to be a long one. Don't go to bed yet. Maybe swap out the wine for coffee. Um, and, and yeah, let's do it. So news. Okay. We are going to start with an article from Matt's inside line, Matt's inside line. So somebody asked the question, can you dig anything up on Chicago fires 200th episode? And that is from a fan named Christy. Uh, the answer basically says the milestone installment will feature, and I quote, big events, big calls and big life-changing decisions. That's from Derek Hass. It's really one of those episodes that when people look back at the run of the series, it will be a big defining moment in where we are. That, that does not make me feel good. That makes me scared. I don't, here's the thing. Maybe this is just like the fan in me. I really have a hard time believing they're choosing to celebrate the show by doing something like bad. Like that by like a character making a bad decision or by like somebody breaking up or like whatever it is. I just feel like, and maybe this is just because like typically 100 episodes are celebrations and obviously fires was a big celebration of love. I just have a hard time feeling or feeling like that it would be something bad. I don't know. I won't be something bad, but it'll be something like bittersweet, like Bowden's going to leave or like Stella found another house or something like that. I don't know. I, I hope not, <laughs> but I mean, yes, obviously I want those things for them because that means they're moving in, on in their careers and yada, 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 all the good stuff. But like, I don't know. I know, I know. So. But they just finished filming it because you saw those pictures on Instagram. You know, they had the little celebration or whatever. I'm sure we'll see more footage from that eventually. But um, yeah, crazy. Such a milestone. Yeah, it's I know, bananas. 200 episodes. That's a, that's a lot. I will say it's either the 200th episode or the 250th episode of Supernatural, but that one is like one of my favorite episodes of the entire series of all 15 seasons. So hopefully it's along the same lines. Hopefully it's a good 200th. I think so. I mean, 100 was really good. 
Um, I'm curious if Derek's going to write it. Because, you know, Derek typically writes premieres, like, mid-season finales, typically, and then obviously finales. But this, with this being episode five, Mm -hmm. and obviously his show running duties now for FBI International, like, I'm curious if Derek will write this one or not. Yeah, and you know what? At the 200th celebration, he was spotted. It was kind of like a Where's Waldo. He was spotted? He was spotted, yeah. And okay. so maybe- well, I couldn't imagine him not at least no. being there for that. Even if he didn't write the episode, I can't imagine him not being in Chicago for that. But yeah. Right, right. So I don't know. We'll see. We will see. Soon. So, we will see in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we will. We will. So. Crazy. Um, if you missed our interview with Kristen Hager, you bet your ass we're lining up our episode so that our 200 lines up with fire. We're shameless. It wasn't planned. It's not like we'd been planning that for weeks though. But then Mm -hmm. once we kind of figured out a few weeks ago that we had like at some point to double up one week to like make it happen, like we were obviously going to do it, but it wasn't like we've been planning this for weeks to like figure it out, but we have been planning it for, I guess, like the last two or three weeks. Yeah. 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 But we're, I mean, we're shameless about it. We're like, yeah, what? Once we realized it was doable, yeah, we lined it up. Why wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, so, why not? Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Exciting. Take us to the next one. Okay. So this one, obviously, I guess, kind of leads into what we just saw in the med season premiere. So according to Deadline, Brian T stars opposite Nicole Kidman in Expat's Amazon drama series. Um, It says, set against the fabric of Hong Kong, expats is the story of an international community whose lives are bound together forever after a sudden family tragedy. It revolves around three women. Mercy, played by, I'm going to butcher this name, Jiung Yu. Um, Margaret, who's played by Nicole Kidman. And Hillary, played by Sarayu Blue. Um, And then T plays Clark, a devoted husband to Margaret and father. Clark has no desire to change his expat lifestyle for American suburbia until his world is upended and he is faced with an impossible choice. Um, Also in the article, it talks about how Nicole Kidman recently wrapped filming for the first part of expats. So because she has to go do the Aquaman sequel, which as we learned in when we recorded our crossover, um with ladies night at molly's and the locker room she is apparently aquaman's mom <laughs> had no idea but whatever well you know um, why we had no idea is because dc yeah and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so it says she will return to the show at the at a later date and then obviously it mentions the fact that brian has obligations as series regular on chicago med um but he was not in the first episode and he was not there yeah. for the promo shoots, as far as we know. So I guess he's still in Hong Kong, and I guess we won't see him for a little bit. I, I, I read something the other day. I don't know how legit it was, but I read something saying that we won't see him till 2022, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I've heard a couple of listeners have DM'd us stuff along those lines saying that they think they probably probably won't see him back. Um, I guess... Honestly, there. I guess two thoughts. One, I'm sad because obviously love Brian T, love Ethan, like would love to see him back, especially for, you know, we're getting a full season again. So we'll probably get a good, like, I don't know, somewhere to six to nine episodes mm-hmm. before 2022. Um, so like the fact that he may not be in anywhere from like six to nine episodes kind of is a little crazy. But on the second hand, I'm kind of glad they're actually making Ethan like go to rehab, you know, like actually recover from a gunshot wound and not just be like oh the next day oh yeah I'm back at work like I feel like a lot of times in tv shows it's easy for characters to like 
because it's TV, like Mm -hmm. rush back into their jobs, but it feels actually a little bit more realistic for him to like be off recovering (laughs) from something pretty major as like being shot. Not just being shot, but like having a bullet just kind of settle itself in your spine. Yeah. Like I, I feel like that seems pretty realistic. Mm -hmm. So it works, but I hope it's not like nine episodes. I know. And, and, and I think you could tell that, I mean, as strong as the med premiere was, it definitely had a completely different energy missing, not two, but three main characters. Yeah. And obviously two main characters will, you know, are April and Natalie, like they're mm-hmm. gone, like they're not coming back, but like, yeah, it just felt weird to not see Ethan, especially cause he's going to be around, you know, he's still a main character. So it did feel a little weird. Um, but I guess on the other hand too, I'm really excited for this show. It sounds really good. No, same, same. It sounds great. Yeah. And Amazon dramas are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Nicole, like that sounds really interesting. So I'm excited to see him in it regardless. So usually Nicole Kidman led dramas are really effing good. Yeah. And then when you add the fact that it's Amazon and it just, it's an interesting story. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I think, I think it'll be really good. Did you ever watch the undoing? No, it was I don't even know what that is. So good. It was a uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. Uh, I think it was six episodes. It was on HBO. Oh my God. Ooh. It was so good. I'm um, Googling this. Yeah, you should. I wonder if it's nominated for any Emmys. Um, by now we will know all of the winners because it is the future. Well, we are recording in the past, but. It is. Yeah. Hugh Grant is nominated. Um, and then they were nominated for like a creative arts Emmy as well. It was really good. It was really good. Um, and Nicole Kidman wore like these crazy outlandish coats. But it's a psychological thriller. I'm not typically into those. No, but it's good. So watch it during the day. Hugh Grant's character plays a doctor, if that helps sway you any. Not necessarily. But <laughs> watch it during the day, question mark? For you, yes. Okay. I can watch psychological scary stuff anytime. You cannot. I cannot. No, that is correct. But this cat, I may have to check out the first episode pretty good pretty good so next up we've got episode descriptions yes oh it feels so good to just like have them randomly and be like oh my god the next episode yeah i mean technically when you guys are listening to this we will have seen the promos but as of recording this we have not so we just are going off of episode descriptions yep just yep. gotta throw that out there Okay, so Chicago Med 702, 702. This is going to air Wednesday, September 29th, okay? This is called To Lean In or To Let Go. The episode titles are just getting longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Okay, Vanessa and Archer disagree on how to handle the victim of a motorcycle accident. Dylan and Charles deal with a UNICEF negotiator with repressed trauma. And Stevie and Will treat a high schooler with Addison's disease and a clingy mother. This sounds really good. I don't want Vanessa anywhere near Archer. Well, no, I mean, and that, yeah, we'll get to Archer in a little bit. Um, but the Dylan and Charles stuff sounds really interesting. Also, based on how the premiere went, the Stevie and Will working together, that should be That real will be really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me that Vanessa's a doctor now. I feel like she was just like a tiny little student like yesterday. I know. And now she's all like flat, spreading her wings and, you know. Full-fledged doctor. Yeah. I know. Crazy. Crazy. So. Go ahead and take us through the next one. 
Okay. So the next one is for Fire 1002, and it is called Headcount. It reads, um, a video of Casey from the Roof Rescue goes viral. Uh, Mouch sets up a little free library at Firehouse 51, and Herman breaks protocol. Yeah, the, I, the, uh, the guy who wrote the descriptions really worked hard on that one. <laughs> um, I will say, I have a feeling Casey is going to absolutely hate the fact that he's gone viral. Oh, he's like, going to despise it. He is not about that life. And so, yeah, he's going to hate that. Um, I'm already here for Mouch and this little free library. It's going to be, I'm sure, a great mm-hmm. storyline. Um, also, do we think that Herman breaking protocol is going to lead to him being absent for, at some point so that he could go off and film some sex in the city? Oh, good call. I don't know. I don't know what kind of protocol it is. Like, is it firehouse protocol? Is it COVID protocol? Like, is it, you know, nobody knows that obviously doesn't say, but I just wonder if, even if it's just suspended for say like one shift, it's enough for him to like leave and go film some sex in the city stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I guess we'll find out. We will find out. So and then we've got PD902, which is called Rage. So it turns out there was a good little mix up there. Um, the description for 901 was actually 902. Yeah, so, I don't really know how that happened. How they like fudged it up. But yeah. uh, anyway, they did. So basically the, the description for 902 is when a PD informant is murdered, the team digs in to track down the perpetrator only to learn a shocking truth. Void and Ruzik strategize to help Burgess. It's the same as what we said last time. Void and Ruzik strategizing together sounds like a disaster. Right. But it also makes a lot more sense now than like for the premiere. Like it makes a lot more sense now. Okay. Burgess is alive. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they just got to, you know, like it makes a lot more sense now. I still don't think it'll go that well, but it makes more sense. It does. Yes. Yes. But after that premiere, I, I don't want Voight anywhere. I want Archer and Voight in like a containment unit far, far away from everybody. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. So um, next up, we've got a fall TV preview from TV Line. Brenda, take it away. Okay, so there was fire scoop in here. PD also had a section, but it was stuff that was re the premiere. So at this point, we've seen the premiere, so not really worth discussing, but I will talk about the fire stuff. So it says, while Hass is keeping mom about how things play out for Severide and Co., he does reveal that the ramification ramifications of that call continue on past episode one. So it's not just everything's hunky-dory. Elsewhere, Stella is having to face the fact is facing having to fat having to leave the firehouse and take another lieutenant's job somewhere else. And the question of Chief Bowden's personal future will be resolved. It says the firehouse is going to change in season 10. You can't keep everything static all the time. Um, and it says in the romance department, new couple Casey and Brett are good and strong, but much to the audience's consternation, there will be some obstacles thrown at them early on. And it says, meanwhile, a certain trio's new business venture might be off to a rocky start. Gallo and Violet are so competitive and have this romantic energy between them. Ritter should be careful about what he wishes for on this one. (laughs) And then it said at the bottom, it said, bonus spoiler, there will be an old character coming back in the second episode and going forward. It's such a good emotional surprise. I mean, that's obviously Griffin Darden, right? Yeah, obviously. Um, which sound the fact that it's like second episode and going forward, I wonder a how long he's going to be around. But the fact that Derek says it's good and emotional, it just I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Cool. Um, 
Yeah, I'm here for Gal and Violet and whatever this competitive romantic energy. I just I, I adore them. Um, yeah, I love them. Yeah, and I'm not worried about the Casey and Brett obstacles at all. No, I, I yeah, they, they I just, have a feeling they just come together. Be- they can't break them up this early. What I have a feeling too, it's going to be more along the like something happens to one of them personally, and then they have to throw it. It doesn't say that like someone's coming to break them up like it you know it could be a personal obstacle that they have to work through together you know I don't think yeah I don't think it's anything to worry about yeah so So. um we got an interview from tv insider this week with Jesse Lee Soffer and Nick Elfist this was such a good one this I really enjoyed that interview it was it was really good and um I think they both kind of they both gave a good amount of like they teased a good amount without like giving anything away so, yeah, which I was honestly, Jesse typically doesn't really give a lot away. I was surprised at like what he gave away for not only just Jay, but like for other characters. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so first off, we're going to see Voight, Voight and Jay butt heads a lot this season. Which yes. Is, yes. Okay, give good. It to, give it to me. As yes. it should be, okay? And we'll save this for when we get into PD, but somebody needs to put Voight in his place. Yeah. I mean, that's like the tension we've been wanting for like seasons now. Yeah. I, I'm so excited. And it's not even that I want to see Jay kick Voight's ass. It's not that I want to see that. I just want to see somebody stand up to him for once. Yeah. And not back down. And it's not even really that I want the tension between the intelligence unit. Cause like, I don't like, I don't like to see my favorites fighting, like, Mm -hmm. but I, it's going to make for really good television and really just like awesome episode so I'm really excited about it from that point of view yeah yeah it's gonna be good um we are gonna get more into Jay's military background which yes like snaps for that that's it's all about, we've ever wanted it's about damn time <laughs> yeah so uh, Jesse just basically says like a character from Jay's past helps give insight into what he went through and even Jesse said he's like nine seasons later we've never taken a real deep dive into it we've touched on it but not that deep well they've done it so vaguely right like even when Mouse was here and Mouse was first introduced it was like okay well I know what you went through but it was like okay what is it that he went through like I get you know it's like keep going I just want Mm -hmm. a little bit more and a little bit more so I will forever be bitter about that scene when Will was talking to Aaron about Mouse and he was like well he was there for Jay when he went through and then he's like went through what and then they got interrupted I was like no finish that thought (laughs) yeah um but yeah so the fact that a character from Jay's past is going to come back and help give insight into this too like oh my god Jay military episodes just hurt so much though but in the best way Whew. I, I still can't rewatch 50 caliber breadcrumb. It just hurts. I know. I hurts. love that episode though. Man. Um, the next little tidbit here, like sound the alarm, like <laughs> Kevin might get a love interest, not a drill, not a drill. I know I'm a little, I'm first of all excited. I mean, we've only been running this campaign for the last four years, have mm-hmm. t-shirts, the whole shebang. So, yep. you know, I'm only very excited about it. I'm nervous because Jesse said that it's someone who like gets involved in a case. So like, I don't want it to be, um, what was her name? Layla. Layla. I don't want it to be a Layla 2.0 situation. I'm not here for that at all. But like, give me, give me a love interest. That give sticks, it to please. us. Please, even if it's not the love of Kevin's life, I don't need it to be the love of Kevin's life yet. But like, just let him date and like, let's just let him let's see his love life. That's all yes. I want. Please, 
It doesn't need to be a soulmate yet, but like, let him figure it, you know. Give him some happiness in the form of a relationship that doesn't just last one episode. Let her not be a criminal this time. Right. It doesn't need to be, like I said, doesn't need to be the love of his life, but a long, a decent relationship. That's all we're asking for. Yep. Yep. Um, they asked, they also asked Jesse how long until Jay figures out Haley's keeping a secret. And Jesse's just like, he's a detective. You would really hope sooner rather than later. But he said that Jay eventually does pick up on it and do some snooping around. And he said, that's going to be a really heavy episode. I, he, he is going to be so heartbroken when he finds out not because of what happened because Haley kept it from him. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I think he'd be, I think he's going to be mad at Voight because Mm -hmm. of what happened. I don't think he'll be mad at Haley necessarily for what happened, but I do think he'll be upset with Haley for keeping it from him. Oh yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and there were a lot of other interviews that came out, but they all kind of had to do with the premiere. So we're not really going to talk about them. They were just kind of previewing the premiere. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's about all we've got for the news. You guys know the drill. If you see anything to us, please send it to us, especially now that we're back in the swing with the seasons. There's a lot of news that goes around that we sometimes miss. So you guys help a lot with that. Thank you. Uh, We've got two new patrons to shout out, which is exciting. Um, First new patron is Allison Slutak. I probably said that last name wrong. I'm so sorry if I did. But welcome to the family. We hope you love it here. We, I did see that you already joined this Facebook group. So that's good. Um, But yeah, thank you for supporting the pod. Yeah. And then next up, we've got Heather. Um, Heather, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Um, I don't know if you've joined the Facebook group yet or not, but if you haven't, definitely join. It's a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, we're really excited. Yes. And if you would like to support the pod starting at as little as $2 a month, please head to the link in our socials. You will see our Patreon page there and just kind of check out the different tiers and see which one is right for you. Got a lot of cool perks. There's the Facebook group, which is popping as always. Uh, there's a discount to the merch store. There's bonus episodes, which reminds me we need to do one soon. I know, um, we really do. I had the best idea for one the other day and I can't, oh, oh, oh I know what it was. Um, during the holidays, we should do Christmas on the Square. Yes. Yeah. Josh Segarra forever and ever and ever. Dolly Parton forever and ever and ever too. Josh Segarra forever and ever and ever. But also Dolly. Dolly's a queen. They won an Emmy the other day. It's fine. It's an Emmy nom. It's an Emmy winning Christmas movie. Does that mean we have to refer to Josh Segarra as Emmy Award winner Josh Segarra? I mean, we can. Why not? We can. Oh, and Treat Williams. So double one Chicago connection. Boom. Bam. Done. Yep. All the one Chicago alums. Yep. 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 Okay. It's time to jump into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. This is so exciting. So exciting. Okay. So obviously we're starting with Med. This was a strong premiere from them. I really like it. I hear a couple of things. One, we've talked about it a couple of times. You know, their finale was really not that great. It was just kind of felt like another, you know, normal run in the mill episode. So the fact that they were able to follow that up with a strong premiere is awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, second of all, you just lost two main characters and yeah, it it feels a little different. It's, you know, not going to lie like we were just talking about and it's going to feel a little different for a little bit. But the fact that they were able to follow that up too with like a strong premiere um, and really integrate the new characters. And I, I don't know, I thought it all worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't help but wonder if they added some new writers this season, because throughout this episode, there was a little bit of something that we've never seen before. And that is shade. 
there was there were a lot of moments of characters throwing shade at each other that I loved the crap out of. It was so good. It was good. So good. The little teeny digs they were taking at each other. I was like, oh no, he did not, but he's so right. It was so good. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. So we had theories about this one because um Fire and PD dropped their previews like a week before Med did. We didn't get Med. And then these pictures surfaced because of this wonderful Chicagoan who just happened to live across the street from where they filmed the opening scene. Thank God for that person. Yeah. (laughs) We would have never known that Tori DeVito was coming back to film a scene. Honestly, though, April or Yaya not coming back didn't really surprise me because you know she's off filming a new show like I'm sure she didn't really have the schedule for it mm-hmm. Tori not filming anything kind of would have surprised me um just a little bit mm-hmm. but I'm you know and we got it so we got it and that, that's why we got med later but it, and it was literally just for that scene but thank god for that that one lone Chicagoan who was just trying to work from home and caught them filming outside her door yeah Oh man, this opening scene. Okay, I know where I want to start, but why don't you start so that I don't like fangirl all over the place? Okay, so basically it starts with, you know, Will helping Natalie pack up her car. She's, you know, the moving truck's there too. Like she's getting ready to leave, but they have a nice little moment. So we're just going to play that audio. I'm going to be okay. I know. You? Yeah. You need to go back. Please call her. I love this. Okay. I have something that may be a slight hot take about this scene. Ooh, ooh, go ahead. I loved it. I thought, like, you have a comment in here on the outline about it showing a lot of maturity. And, you know, I, I thought it was a really nice moment. I really did. But they make no reference to where Natalie is going. She's just leaving. You know, don't know if she lost her life. Like, we don't know anything, really. She just says goodbye. And honestly, it kind of felt to me, I was like, okay, well, I think I also would have just been okay if they didn't even have that scene in there. (gasps) Like, I don't feel like it did any, like, it gave me closure, really, of any kind. Because I'm still like, okay, well, where did Natalie go? Oh, I liked it. I liked it. But But I I, I see what you're saying. I thought it was a nice moment. Like, I, you know, I... I thought it was a really nice Manstead moment. I really did. But it kind of still leaves me. I'm still wondering where she, like, I still have questions about where Natalie's going. I'm That's assuming a- it's going to be with her mom. Yeah. I But, like, did she lose her life? I mean, like, I guess she got fired. Like, I still just have questions about what actually happened to Natalie. That's not entirely a bad thing, though, because remember with Connor, we kind of were left with that white space to just make it up in our heads. So, you know, in, in, in that white space in our heads, we can just kind of have our own little ending for her. She probably went back with her mom. I think she probably lost her license. But the thing with Connor, though, is that Connor had the whole episode to like really it, it was a whole episode like he was still in the whole episode and then left at the end of the episode. Like mm-hmm. it didn't feel it wasn't just one scene like because this Natalie one is one scene. It feels like. I don't know. Like I didn't really need, like I would have wanted more or this, not at all. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I like it. Yeah. Like I felt like, you know, I, if we were going truly for 
what happened to Natalie and giving us that closure. I felt like they should have finished her story, like told us what happened, yada, 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 or like had this maybe even at the end of the episode. Like, I don't know. I just felt like very different from Connor's exit. Um, I don't yeah. know. I thought it was fine. I, it's, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was, I thought it was good closure. If we could only get Tori back for one day for one scene, then that was fine. Um, I was cool with it. Owen is like a teenager now. Yeah, but was that the same actor? It didn't really look, I mean, didn't, we barely saw him, but yeah. like it didn't really seem like it was. So Owen was born in season one, which means he'd be about six now, right? Maybe I'm just used to being around my niece who's four and she's tiny, <laughs> but I was like, Owen's like an adult. How did this happen? Yeah, again, we barely see him, but it kind of looks almost like a different actor. I'll have to go back and like really watch it, but yeah. But yeah, I just think the word choice between the two of them was so interesting because it, it was a very mature goodbye. It just was. And I love how, you know, Natalie, I, I love how Natalie looked at Will and just said, I'm going to be okay. Like, instead of something like, I'm going to miss you or I love you. Yeah, I thought that worked well. And I did like the fact that it was all Natalie's fault that Will got fired originally and that Will, you know, I mean, Will did it to himself a little bit too in the fact that he tried to take the bling for her but like it was Natalie's fault for kind of ruining his career so I did like see Natalie being like no you should go fight for your job back like I'm like you said I'm gonna be okay I did like seeing that again it just felt a little incomplete to me mm-hmm. no I get it but. I get it um neither one of them said I love you which I also think is really mature I think I think they both knew that if one of them had said it then it was gonna mess the other up Well, and I don't know, though, too, if, like, they're not feeling, I mean, obviously, they, I think they'll always love each other as friends, and, you know, they've obviously been important parts of each other's lives Mm -hmm. um, for six years, but, I mean, if they're not in love with each other, then, you know, yeah, Yeah. I, you know, no need to, like, just because someone's leaving, like, say I love you if you don't, you know, and maybe try to mean maybe something different, you know, Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. So I have two other questions with this. And one of them is that we obviously time jumped, right? Uh, So all we, and and Natalie's saying, go back and fight for your job, right? So I'm assuming that they've both been unemployed all summer. What did those two do? Did Natalie and Will just have like a magical summer of fun employment and love? (laughs) I don't think love. What did they do Um, all summer? Well, first of all, we don't know how long it's been. They don't say it's been like two months. I mean, it could have, my guess is that it's been a little bit. I don't think it was just like two weeks, Um, but I don't think it was like something ridiculously long either. Um, My guess is Natalie was trying to figure out what to do with her life now that she's lost her job and, you know, you know, has to move and doing all that. Will, I don't know what Will is up to. I need the fanfic where... Manstead just go on like this absolutely crazy summer of adventure <laughs> and love and fun employment and it's kind of like Greece meets like hmm, meets like what I don't even know where you're going like with Bonnie this, and Clyde but... maybe I don't know <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde no maybe not that but like they go on like a crazy adventure it's like a summer adventure and they're both unemployed and they're just like fuck it we lost our jobs like we're just gonna have some fun Oh man, I need that. I need that movie or that fic. Somebody write that. Up. Write that for Gina. <laughs> um, my other question is why? Why did Will get this goodbye? Where was Crockett? 
they already kind of we i but like we talked about in our med predictions one we were kind of recapping this like natalie and crockett were kind of the only people who actually got somewhat of closure in mm. you know the finale i was trying to think of what the finale um and it just based on the way that will talks to crockett at the end of this episode it kind of makes it seem like crockett and natalie not that there's any bad blood or anything between them because i don't think there is but they just haven't talked but you know i'm sure they'll keep in touch eventually they have their goodbye yeah yeah so um um so yeah so then we go to the hospital and wait, wait, before we do that, I do have to say that in that, that green shirt that Will was wearing, oh, he, looked, he looked really good. I had to say it. I just didn't want to leave off <laughs> Just with get it. it out now. Just get it out now. Okay. That like that, like green ensemble with like the skinny jeans and the green sneakers, like a plus costume department. Cause he looked amazing. <laughs> Carry you on. Good now. I was going to say you good now. Um, other people agree with me. Other people are listening to this right now being like, same, same. So Hit all you want. <laughs> okay. So we go back to med and Goodwin is checking in with Dr. Cooper. Um, I didn't think we were getting Michael Rady so early on, but we are. Yep. Um, and he is play. it's Dr. Matt Cooper, who is a critical care doctor. And I meant to look up what a critical care doctor is, but I guess that's just ICU doctor. Sounds about right. Anyway. Um, but anyway, so his patient has just had the pulmonary embolism and she wants to know, Goodwin wants to know if it's due to the fact that they um, used a cardiac input monitor of Bascom as the brand of the ones that typically he's been using. And he's like, no. But so Goodwin then just so happens to get this call from Will at this exact moment. So Goodwin and Will meet in her office and he lays it all out. He wants his job back. And she's willing to give it to him, but on one condition. So she's got this whole investigation in the works because apparently Med is billing Medicare for Vascom use 60% more than any other area hospital. And if it's being used unnecessarily and obviously Medicare is being billed for it, then that's considered fraud. So Goodwin wants Will to investigate Cooper since Cooper is apparently the one using the Vascom machines the most and Will has had a relationship with him prior even though it's not like a bff relationship cooper once dated will and jay's cousin moira there's a halstead cousin y'all yeah um and so goodwin just says you know like look i have a doctor in my hospital who's scamming the system and putting my patients at risk like i'll do whatever it takes to stop them this makes it makes me laugh not obviously the fact that like she thinks cooper's scamming them but it makes me laugh that will's like please give me my job back and she's just like she hates him she hates him so much you know what makes me laugh or made me laugh more is the fact that after all these hipaa violations and all this stuff like goodwin's finally putting her foot down and it's not about that it's about the fact that like cooper is you know billing medicare a little too much you know like potentially we don't know that for sure but like all these other things and now goodwin finally wants to do something about you know the terrible things going on in the hospital i'm like really like really (laughs) were you all the other times right like now we're like putting our foot down okay maybe the natalie thing finally opened her eyes like when she realized that would be interesting you know she finally realized like oh wait it's not just will who's capable of violating everything under the sun yeah um and I know this is like an issue, you know, kind of in real life about 
practice practices and things like being overbilled or you know being charged you know like I know that's kind of like a real issue so um but yeah I was just I thought it was I thought it was funny that Goodwin's now finally like doing something about it it just makes me laugh that she she only welcomed Will back because she basically needs him to do, needs dirty him work. To do her dirty work. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. it just makes me laugh because like I, I think even even if Epatha says it in episodes where she or in interviews where she's like, no, I think Goodwin respects Will. I don't think she does. No, they definitely have an interesting clip. And I thought it was interesting that the clip that was being used in the promo where Goodwin is like hyping Will up is mm-hmm. not in this episode at all. So I wonder if we'll see it in later episodes or if they just cut it out. Mm-hmm. Cause I think if, you know, if we don't see it later in later episodes, I definitely think Goodwin doesn't respect Will and, you know, it's just doesn't really care. But I think if we do eventually get that clip, then maybe that changes the relationship a little differently um, or at least her respect for him. But I think that'll be interesting to see whether that clip eventually gets used. Yeah. So Goodwin, you know, they have, I guess, a little like staff meeting, whatever, in the ED and Goodwin welcomes Will back to everybody and introduces him and the rest of us to these two new doctors, you know, Dylan and Stevie. But Will's like, well, I know Stevie. You know, they apparently went to med school together. That and look then, when he said that to her, I was like, oh, these two have history. I can't and wait. And the banter between them, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. I I mean, not that I need Will to like get into a relationship right away. I want this still to be him like figuring out himself, go build a BFF relationship with Crockett, like go do all these other things. I don't need him to like hook up right away. But like later on down the line, if that's like- a thing I don't think I'm gonna complain about it no but like for now go make friends well just yeah go, go, go make, make friends, friends get yourself together like get yourself reestablished at mm-hmm. your job you know like do all those things first but mm-hmm. like you know eventually 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 if they want to mm-hmm. give us that I don't think that banter was good yeah the banter was good we're not the only ones who picked up on it because Maggie picks up on it like right away <laughs> and she's like so <laughs> she's like what what was that um and he's just like, listen, like, you know, she's the kind who will never let you forget that she was first in your med school class, you know, yada, yada, yada. I loved um, how Maggie just like assumed that he was second in the class. I was like, oh, honey, like, honey, no. And get, well, you a, get you a friend good- like Maggie who like, who just get you a friend like her who like believes in you enough to think that you were second in your med school class. I could have told you a long time ago that Will was definitely not second in his med school class. Well, good on Will for admitting it. Yes. But like, yes. it could have been, he could have very easily been like, yeah, I was, but good on will for admitting it i can um, see him being like right in the middle of the med school pack yeah like i don't think he was definitely at the bottom but like he definitely was not like top 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 either right um also in this scene i didn't really know where to put it in that line but in this scene will makes a comment about how like it's weird you know being back in the ed when you know there's no april and no natalie we get no april update whatsoever no we just get an oh it's weird without april so like what happened to April? I She's mean again, like, I guess we're to assume she went, you know, off to ner- you know, school or whatever. But like are we eventually going to get like a real April update or is this going to be a um Rojas a version of the Rojas situation all over again? We've already gotten more with April than we did with Rojas, so, you know, True. we got to mention we never yeah. got anything on PD. I'm just curious though if we ever get like a real like April went off to this place to this school that you know like again. I thought she had in the meds program. 
yeah but like did is that where she went did she go off to somewhere else like mm-hmm. what happened i mean like she just yeah. left i mean you know anyway um so yeah so then marcel gets this patient and her name is lois duran and she's fatigued short of breath and she just keeps saying you know like she's been at med before and asking for her doctor so marcel tries to look further into her chart but it turns out they don't have it so apparently lois was a trial patient and then when kinder obviously took the trial they took all the records as well so now that Will's back, Will gets dragged in to help since obviously he knows the patient. And Crockett's um, not happy. Yeah, Crockett is still not not happy at all. But he, you know, listens a little bit. And Will's like, listen, I think it's hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And Marcel's like, I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, we'll run some tests. Like, let, let, let's see. But then Archer, of course, has to, like, stick his two cents in. And honestly, this scene, even though it's really short, is just art. It's so good. Gotta tell you, it wasn't my idea to bring it back. Thanks, Dean. And hey, congratulations on being made chief. It's what you wanted all along, wasn't it? Dr. Archer. Thank you. Looking forward to your next train wreck. The shade! From both of them. It's beautiful. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. I'm I, enjoying these subtle little digs at each other. Like I shouldn't be, but I am. What it just feels like, because obviously the like, even though Will Halstead is a lovable idiot, he's still an idiot and like he is a little train wreck. And it just feels like the writers are listening and like throwing that in there when they call what Archer says, like looking forward to your next train wreck. Like it just feels like that's what the fandom has been saying all along as much as we love will like he typically at some point does something that ends himself in a train wreck so but also the jab at archer we're all just like yes yes yeah (laughs) um again it all worked i thought it was great beautiful and like a little comedic too like there were actually a few moments with like the sass it's obviously funny and med is not typically funny Mm -hmm. and so it worked i thought too um But anyway, so Will stops Cooper at the food cart cafeteria thing, whatever that place is. And, you know, they briefly, very briefly catch up. Like, you know, Cooper mentions that apparently he's married now. He's like trying to be a good boy. And I'm like, I feel like that's a reference eventually that something's going to happen. And Will's like, yeah, you know, we should get drink sometime and catch up. And Cooper's like, okay, sure, whatever. So later on, Goodwin asks Will for an update on the Cooper situation. And Will's like, you know, I, you know, asked him to catch up for drinks. And he's like, you know, Matt didn't seem that enthusiastic. He's like, I don't know if it'll happen. And Goodwin's like, well, you'll make it happen. And I'm just like, okay, Goodwin. She's just, this year, she's just like, Will, get out of my office. Like, what do I have to say to get you the hell out of here? Like, leave. And like, do things the way I want you to do them. Yeah. So... Marcel calls Will in and the morphine for their patient isn't working. So Marcel's like, she's going to surgery. And Will's like, for what? And Marcel's like, we've got to replace the valve. Like, that's what's wrong. And Will's like, but actually, though, I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is the outflow track being obstructed. Um, And so they're arguing as Marcel's like wheeling the patient up to the elevator. And Will, in the middle of their arguing, accuses Marcel of doing a bigger procedure just for Medicare purposes. And Marcel is like super offended. 
They handle and... it well, though. They handle it well because he's just like, is that what you think? And then Will just backs off. And then Marcel's like, all right. All right. Yeah, that's fair. And But Marcel's like, you know what? I'm still doing the surgery that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So Marcel goes to start the procedure and Cooper and Will are like watching from that observation room. And they're talking and Cooper mentions VASCOMs and how much more accurate they are. And Cooper's like, you know, VASCOMs really should be standard of care. Like he'll come around talking about Marcel. So Cooper leaves and Marcel soon realizes that Will was right about what was wrong with the patient um, based on, you know, once they get her hooked up to all the different machines and stuff, like they realize it wasn't actually the valve. It was the um, flow being outflow track being obstructed. So they switch the procedures, do the right one. You know, everything's good. Will's face was a little smug though when he realized yeah. he was right. I was like, Will, I know, I'm like, okay, yeah, you can feel good about being right, but like, don't quote. Yeah, don't, don't quote. <laughs> so after this all happens, though, Will goes into Goodwin's office and he's like, listen, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, even if it means I lose my job, like, I, I don't want to be in this position, which honestly I thought was like a very mature move. I was like, I, that doesn't isn't what I expected from Will, but okay. Yeah, it's not what I expected from Will. And this response from Goodwin isn't what I expected from her either. No. And so Goodwin's like, listen, I was expecting this. And so she basically persuades him to stick with it by telling him about like a recent patient who developed an infection after Vascom was used and ultimately lost his leg. And she's like, if the Vascom was indeed an unnecessary procedure, then this was a tragedy that should have never happened. See, and um, I thought this was going to be like, he tells her, like, you can have my badge. And she was going to be like, no, that was unfair. I'm sorry. Like, you can stick yeah, around. But Goodwin's like, yeah, no, I'm doubling down. Yeah, she's like, now I'm going to make you feel real bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, not what I expected, but. Be gone. Do my dirty work. Yeah. Leave. So this whole stuff kind of wraps up when Marcel sees Will in the doctor's lounge. And we finally kind of get the, I guess, like the groundwork laid for this budding Marcel Will friendship hey so you were right didn't know your patient you know natalie's mom's doing well in large part thanks to you it's nice to hear you miss her tomorrow besties this was really nice this was nice um i'm really glad i know they kind of teased it in that tv guide magazine article you know that they would become friends or whatever but i thought with the time jump that we would have already seen that like they would already be besties and that we would just kind of see them be besties you know but i like the fact that we're going to see them work towards that i think that'll be really interesting Mm -hmm. um but yeah I, i really like that moment i thought that was nice I think having seen the premiere now, my like my, two of my new wish list items are that like we see Will become friends with Crockett and Stevie, like strengthen those friendships. That's that's a wish list item for me now that we've seen the premiere. Yeah, the Crockett, the Crockett and Will one I think is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I really hope that it's everything we wanted Roadstead to be, but they failed Better. to give us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, but yeah, that's the Will Marcel Cooper stuff. Um, I'm also really curious to see how long Cooper sticks around and like how long this investigation is going to go. Like, is it just like a two or three episode arc? I want to say no. I feel like Michael Rady's still been posting about the fact that he's in Chicago. But yeah, and I had this question too as the premiere went on because again, I, did, I didn't expect we were going to see Michael Rady in this first episode either. And so when he did pop up, I was like, okay, well, why did they just say the guy and Kristen were new? Why didn't they also announce Michael? I don't think he's a regular though. Yeah. So, But I, like hmm. still, um, I don't know. I'm curious to see how long he stuck around if he is actually doing it for, you know, like getting kickbacks for, you know, That's all fun. this stuff or if it's just- he really likes Vascom, you know, like I, you know, I, I don't know. I'll be curious to see how that unfolds. I feel like uh, whether he actually is bad or good is going to depend on whether they like Michael and want him to stick around or if he is just going to fulfill his arc and go. Um, yeah. I selfishly want him to stick around so we can have him on the podcast. And yes. Spend, I was going to be, gonna so we can the spend the whole thing. time talking Hallmark Christmas movies. And it's straight to the traveling pants, but <laughs> But I'll have to see it in preparation for said interview. Yes. Um, I'll send you the highlights. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to see how long he sticks around. Because I feel like I said, I feel like he's recently been on set. So yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I, I don't know. I guess yes. we'll find out. But. Are we like just now, like as we talk, forming the Michael Rady Appreciation Squad? Like, I want him to stick around. I mean, I want him to stick around too. So yes. 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 Yes, Even if podcast. I end up hating Cooper, I still love Michael Rady. Yeah. On this podcast, we love Michael Rady. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember his arc on Unreal. I remember that, but not Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. He was good on also, Unreal. Also was really good on Timeless. He was the bad guy, but also really good on Timeless. Um, yeah. He's just been in everything. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. So that, that Gatsby Christmas movie that I love. Oh, the Pemberley one? Yeah. Christmas at Pemberley Manor. Yeah, yeah, that one, and then the other one where he's like the mayor of the super small town, and it's like I think the town's called Christmas, and like a big actress comes to film the movie, and they fall in love. (laughs) Oh man, love it! It's almost that time of year too. The town's called Christmas. Oh man, of course, of course, of course Um, it is. But it it is almost that time of year. So I know we're gonna have to start like doing the prep for that one too. I know, I know, so exciting, (laughs) so exciting. So next up, we've got Archer and Dr. Charles and Vanessa. Archer, Dr. Charles, and Vanessa. What a trio, right? Okay. Yeah. So Archer and Dr. Charles, they pull in at the same time. And we find out Ethan's in physical therapy. He's doing well, which is going to be interesting when he comes back. Just to hear about that, because he's basically, I guess he's having to relearn how to walk. That's what I'm saying. It actually makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously... I don't know if this would have been the storyline to go with had Brian not been filming expats. Like, I don't know if we would have seen that or maybe we would have seen Ethan in physical therapy, but it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with this being the excuse for why Brian is not there. Yeah. 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 So um, they're talking and like, again, shade, just beautiful shade being lobbed back and forth between the two of them. So Arthur tries to blame Dr. You should say Arthur. Did I say Arthur? I meant Archer. <laughs> Archer. Archer. Um, Archer tries to blame Dr. Charles for Ethan getting shot. He's no, like, no, 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 no. Wait. That's not, no, that is what happens. But like Dr. Charles is not the reason Ethan got shot. 
No, no, because he, well, well it was something like he, like he let him go, right? Well, no, because obviously Archer did end up doing the appendectomy on the guy when he didn't really want it. But then oh, because Dr- he thought he was in the simulation. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then that's the guy who obviously ended up shooting Ethan. Mm-hmm. And but he's like, oh, no, it was your fault. Like, you know, yada, yada, yada. If you had, you know, talked him into and, and Dr. Charles is like, actually, it's probably your fault. You're the one that did the appendectomy when you really shouldn't have. Beautiful. Um, yeah. But like, no, 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 no. Dr. Charles is not the reason Ethan got shot. I'm just, I'm so glad that now they're not just like, they're not trying to be the bigger person about it. That if somebody says something, they're like, hold the fuck up. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this would have happened if this was say like a conversation between Dr. Charles and Ethan or whatever, but like, I love how everyone's like, yeah, we hate Archer. I'm going to give him shit. Like, I don't like him. It's great. It works so well. It's so good. It's so good. So Archer and Vanessa, they get a pair of identical twins. So their names are Gemma and Emma, Gemma and Emma. And um, Gemma's basically got really bad abdominal pain. And so Vanessa goes to put the IV in Gemma's arm and Emma's like, well, hey, can you put that in my arm too? And she and Archer are like, the fuck? Like what? Uh, But Archer does an ultrasound and it turns out that there's free fluid. So she probably burst an ovarian cyst. And so he just explains, he's like, listen, if your blood count drops, then we've got to do surgery. We've got to remove the ovary, all of that. But Emma's like, okay, well, if that happens, you've got to take mine too, because we're identical in every single way. Whoa. This was a weird case. That is new. Yes. So Archer tells Vanessa to call in Dr. Charles and typically calling in Dr. Charles is not like, it's not the kind of thing where you're just like, oh, you're just like, okay, help, he'll solve it. But the way Archer says it, he's just very like. Because he can't stand Dr. Charles. Archer is the kind of guy who thinks depression is a choice. Yeah. Like, he thinks they're doing this to be purposely crazy. Mm -hmm. And I hate... Crazy is not, I guess, the right word. But this is definitely a little bit of an extreme case. And I definitely thought that was a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to stop your sister from getting what she needs done because you want the same thing done to you i thought that was a little weird um but yeah archer's like this is weird yeah and, but the, the the beauty about these cases is that the Char- dr charles is just he's so not judgmental that it makes you not be judgmental right like you see the case and you're like oh that's weird but then dr charles approaches it totally normal non-judgmental at all and then we're all just like oh yeah okay okay even by the end of this one too dr charles is like yeah i've never seen anything like this in my 40 years like this is a little weird (laughs) yeah yeah which makes us feel okay like okay that's a little it's okay to feel like this one's a little weird because it is it is yeah so dr charles stops by and he gets them to open up a little bit about you know why emma would want the surgery too it's because they always plan to get pregnant at the same time so if Gemma can't then emma can't either um, and they, they talk about their childhoods and how like their mom never wanted them to dress matching. Like she really tried hard to give them an individual like sense of self. Um, yeah. and then I think when their parents died and then when COVID happened, they just really bonded. It's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Um, but you know, Dr. Charles explains it to Archer and even Archer's like, Oh, let me guess. You're going to say they have decision-making capabilities. And Dr. Charles is like, mm, but they do. Yeah, like, they're not crazy. This is, I mean, it may not be what we think is normal, and we may not think that that's the right way for them to be living their lives, but, like, it doesn't mean that they're not with it and don't know what they're 
doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Gemma starts having a lot of pain and then Archer's like, okay, it's time for surgery, but they're both still insisting that it's both or nothing. And Archer just walks out of the room. Like, could you imagine if your doctor just up and left the room mid-sentence? Yeah. I mean, although honestly, not that I'm sympathizing with Archer because I'm not, but like, it has to be frustrating. I imagine that like, if your patient, like if you're telling your patient, you're going to die if you don't do this, right? Like if we don't take you up to surgery right now. Like there is no other way we've tried to do the other ways there, you know, you have to be taken up to surgery right now. And they're being like, yeah, no, like we're not going to do it. Like I, it has to be frustrating, I imagine, but I don't think that Archer walking out of the room because he's so frustrated is the right way either. No, it's not. And and I just kind of want to shake him by the shoulders and be like, bro, you're not in the Navy anymore. These aren't like stubborn military men who are just like pushing your buttons. These are two really young identical twins who are scared. Like talking to them like that is not going to fix. It's not going to get them to do what you want. Yeah. Like I said, I understand. I would probably find it frustrating too, but I don't think I would walk out of the room because I was so frustrated. No, just, I can't imagine that. Like my God. Okay. So Dr. Charles goes back into the room and he tries to convince them that, you know, since, since they're one person, if Emma were to get pregnant, then it may as well be Gemma's child too. And they're both just like, that makes a lot of sense actually. Uh, so then later like in between that, cause Vanessa was on the case, but in between that, there's a stroke patient that gets brought in and Lanik, Lanik, I know, Nate sighting. Yeah, Lannick asked Vanessa to help him. This was like the icing on the cake for me. Like it was already such a good premiere. And then you see Lannick come running in. I was like, Lannick with the good hair. This is even better. I know. I was honestly a little worried. I mean, because obviously Nate's not on Instagram anymore. So I don't know if he's like been on set or anything. And so like we saw Lannick, even though it was just for like 0.2 seconds. I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Nate sighting. We're good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh Maggie looks on as Vanessa is helping Lannick and Goodwin's like, so how are things going? And Maggie just says, she's like, she keeps her distance and I try to keep mine. All right. Okay. A little awkward, but okay. Uh, so then a nurse calls Vanessa back into the patient's room because Vanessa has to call time of death. And it's clearly her first time. Um, she handles it really well though. Handles yeah. it really well. Um, but yeah, she leaves the room and their tears just kind of coming down her cheeks and, and Maggie just squeezes her shoulder and says, she's sorry. Um, I thought that was like the right move, right? Like, obviously you don't want to, they don't have a good relationship, mm -hmm. but she can see that Vanessa's struggling and just needed someone to basically tell her, you know, like it's going to be okay. Um, And I thought that was like the right move. Like, yeah. And I say much just to, you know, comfort her a little bit, like squeeze her shoulder, you know, like I thought that was the right move. And Vanessa seemed to appreciate it. So I think that was the right move. It was the right move. And I I think, I I don't think that was a mother daughter kind of thing. I think that was like a new doctor charge nurse kind of thing. Yeah, like I'm just trying to show, you know, like be there for you, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, I definitely don't think it was mother daughter, but like, I think it's a step in the right direction to building a relationship. I don't want to say building back their relationship because they didn't really have a relationship, but like building a relationship or friendship or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think Maggie would have done that for any new doctor. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a good move. It was a good move. So Archer gets Gemma ready or ready for her procedure. And Dr. Charles goes to sit with Emma in the waiting room and they're having this conversation. And Dr. Charles very quickly realizes that they've switched places. What? That was like, Oh crap. 
so, crazy. Yeah. So she like he rushes in to stop Archer. And I love how he barges in and Archer's like, Dan, what the hell? Like <laughs> that would have definitely been a Dan what the fuck moment, but we're but on network, network TV. TV. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that definitely would have been a Dan what the fuck. God, I would pay such good money to have one night of one Chicago on FX so they could curse. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Oh my goodness. Yes, it would be amazing. But um, he's already made the first cut, of course. So they ultimately got what they wanted and that they got matching scars. But like, I mean, it, and if Dan hadn't stopped the surgery, Archer would have been pissed when he got in there and was like, "Where, the, where where's the cyst? Where did it go? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. So... They're both in recovery, both of the twins and Archer and Dr. Charles actually have like a, a nice moment. And uh, yeah, so Archer just goes, well, you wonder if I'm being genuine? Like that's the curse of being a shrink because like he says something nice and Dr. Charles is like, you weren't an asshole? What? <laughs> I know. And that's the same reaction I think everyone else is having. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. I didn't hate you for that one moment. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't think in this moment, it's a curse of being a shrink. I think it's just a curse of having to work with Dr. Archer. Yeah. And it's much, obviously though, it's like, we obviously want to shit on Archer. I think if this is the level of stuff we're going to get us like a little bit sassy and obviously everyone still hates him just because he's been a jerk in the past, but he doesn't continue to do like the worst, most horrible things. I think I could handle this. If we, I still need to know why he is the way he is. Yes. But like I'm saying, I don't need him to do like horrible, horrible more things like a la last season, Mm -hmm. you know? But like, if this is the level of horrible he's going to be, I think I can tolerate this. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I feel like there's more to uncover about Archer that we'll find out eventually. Like, I feel like we're going to find something out about his past or whatever, but I, I think I can handle, this was a tolerable Archer, at least, I think. Yeah. It was tolerable, but also because the other doctors didn't just sit there and take a shit. They talked back. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, as long as we get them taking, you know, dishing it right back as he throws it, I can, I think that makes it less just like Archer's putting everyone down and they're not going to throw it back at them. Mm -hmm. If they throw it back at him, it makes it a lot more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so the last little bit is we get our Dylan and Stevie um, storyline. So I kind of really like the fact that they chose to put the new doctors together. Yeah, yeah. I love them both so much, like already. Yeah, Uh, but I really like the fact that they put them together and like allowed them to figure out, like establish themselves as the doctors that they are Mm -hmm. without the, you know, pressure, you know, like, will coming in and trying to overstep stevie or you know somebody trying to like i thought it worked really well to have them kind of be on their own and be the doctors that they are Mm -hmm. and succeed at you know diagnosing or whatever you know figuring out what's wrong with their patient i I just thought it worked really well in terms of like establishing who these characters are yeah um so first up we get dylan and he starts out by working because he is pediatrics and emergency he's a double residency Mm -hmm. So Dylan is working on a little boy with a snake bite and the little boy though doesn't open up with his dad in the room about how he got a snake bite. But once Dylan is able to convince his dad to leave, Dylan also gets him to open up. So apparently this kid got, you know, chose to stuck his hand in a box with a rattlesnake as part of a gang initiation. This kid is like six. Yeah, I know. Um, But Dylan is so good with him too. 
and like the fact that obviously he was a previously a cop so he figures it out you know from like the shoelaces and the, like it's just it works so well but dylan is so so good with him yeah i and i love seeing it i thought i i love seeing it i love the way the kid called him out it was like are you a cop and he's like i used yeah. to be he's like actually i was yeah <laughs> um but then, so we get a little, a tiny little bit more tidbit. So Dylan runs into Will later on and tells him, he's like, oh yeah, I know your brother Jay. And Will's like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to be in the same line of work. And then they like get distracted. And so he doesn't get to say more, but like, okay. But but tell me more. Who else yeah, do you know, I know intelligence? Yeah, I want to know more. So like, obviously we were theorizing from that TV guide article that, um, he has, it says that he went to the academy with someone i guess that maybe was jay and that's kind of what we were theorizing but yeah. um i don't know i'd be curious to see like how his pd backstory unfolds like i i I'm, i could be here for that i'm here for this what well, I, I want i want to know i want to know his opinion of void yeah i would love to know what kind of cop he used to be same same well okay so he's he's a legacy right his dad's a lieutenant Mm-hmm. so yeah that that's well, a good question and we know there was that one scene because there were behind the scenes photos being taken that he filmed that one scene with um Royce in that cemetery mm-hmm. so like i'm curious to see a is that a med episode or a pd episode but b like what does that have to do with everything like i it's gonna be good yeah it's gonna be really good yeah i'm excited so Dylan and Stevie together work on this 10-year-old Jasmine who's extremely lethargic. And even Dylan is so good with her too. Like just the way he talks to them, like I just, it, it, he's not talking down to them. He tries to, you know, get on their level when he's examining it. Like it just, it, it works so well. I love him already. I could tell after his very first scene, I was like, oh, perfect fit for this show. Perfect. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so Jasmine's mom mentions that, you know, she was diagnosed with sickle cell as a baby. And so they both, Stevie and Dylan both look at each other and they're like, okay, we got to get a head CT. And they order a blood transfusion. Um, And they also take note because the mom, like as she goes to get up, like the mom has really stiff and, you know, almost causes her to fall. But she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. But, and like, they don't really push it at that point, but they're just like, okay, we're taking note of that. Like something's clearly up. So they get the scans back and they confirm like what they suspected that actually Jasmine had a stroke, um, which is crazy to think about a 10 year old having a stroke. But apparently um, the abnormal shape of the blood cells can cause the blood to become thicker, which can lead to clotting and then ultimately cause the stroke. And the mom is shocked because obviously she was never informed of any of this when Jasmine was diagnosed as a baby. Um, but Stevie's like, listen, like, you know, it doesn't appear that the stroke was severe. So like, she should be fine. She should make a full recovery. Um, but then Stevie and Dylan leave the room and they actually have a really honest conversation. Why didn't anyone tell her? Uh, where were you working before here? Gross Point, Beaumont Hospital. Ah, well, this happens a lot to kids who have sickle cell. Less than 50% can scream. On the other hand, kids with cystic fibrosis, well, you get a case manager, regular checkups. Because most CF patients are white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I thought this was really, in- I, I'm glad they went there. I'm glad they had this little conversation. Um, I thought it worked really well. 
It did. And I, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, how like, it's good that they worked together because it allowed them to kind of establish themselves. Like it's good that it was the two of them having this conversation and not somebody that we already know, like Will or Ethan or somebody. Cause then we would like, basically what we already know of that character would have painted our opinion to this response. And instead it's two characters we don't know yet. Yeah. And I think it worked too, because it wasn't like a super, like it was a conversation about race, but it wasn't like a super deep like 20 minute conversation like it allowed us to get to know these characters backgrounds these their povs like kind of just how they think about things Mm -hmm. about a real difficult subject to discuss but like within 30 seconds like i just thought it really worked i i thought it i thought it really worked yeah it did Um, definitely did yeah so maggie goes in to check on jasmine and mentions you know to the patient's mom like there's some coffee at the nurse's station if you would like some so Jasmine's mom goes to get some and like again gets up and like stumbles as she's getting up so Stevie and Dylan take her into another uh bay and check her out and notice that she is extremely arthritic um and something as they're examining her like something prompts Stevie to ask her if she's been living in her car and at first Jasmine's mom is like no like why would you ask me that and but later honestly admits that like you know it's true they have been living in the car and so like as they walk out of the room dylan asks her she's like how did you guess that and stevie again kind of gives this like playful remark he's like she's like i'm surprised you didn't catch it like don't cops have a lot of experience with homeless folks um but again it's not like picking at him or anything it's playful but honest and i i just i thought their banter worked too yeah um and so again the episode kind of starts to slow down and we actually get archer like complimenting them like he asked dylan and stevie like about their patient and they're like oh yeah like we're admitting her yada 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 and like compliments and and he's like good work today and it's like wait archer can actually be kind of nice like so you feel okay yeah um and, you know, Dylan mentions to Stevie that, like, Med is actually apparently doing, like, a sickle cell trial, and he's going to try to get Jasmine in there, which means, you know, the mom would have a cot there while Jasmine's in the trial, and so they wouldn't be sleeping in their car all the time. Like, nice way to kind of wrap that up. But the last scene is where we learn a little bit more about Stevie. So it cuts to Stevie visiting this homeless encampment. And as we find out, Stevie's mom is homeless and living there. And so Stevie goes to visit and it's made, they made it really clear that, you know, obviously Stevie left, like what Kristen was telling us, like Stevie left for a while. She's from Chicago, but left for a while and is now back. And so her mom makes reference to that. And it's clear they haven't been in touch. Um, Her mom is also sick with something. We don't know what, Mm -hmm. Um, but I loved, I little, I did love the like COVID vaccine line. Her mom's like, I did get the vaccine. I'm not stupid. (laughs) It's like, yes, love that. Um, but Stevie says, she's like, listen, like we've got to get you off the streets. And her mom's like, no, no, no. Like I can take care of myself. And Stevie's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not going to let you live like that. And then it just kind of ends. So we don't see what happens, but obviously we're starting to see a little bit more about Stevie's background, which is really interesting. Really, really solid premiere. Like I said, it, I really actually, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, same. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited, like with Dylan and Stevie, they, they're perfect fits. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see more of them, obviously interact with the different characters. I'm excited to see what happens with Stevie and Will and that relationship. I'm excited to learn more about their backgrounds. I, I think it's going to be really, I think it's gonna be really good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah. 
So moving into fire. Okay, so like we knew that squad was gonna live because of like multiple things that we've seen over hiatus. <laughs> yeah. But also this was rude. I I'd be really curious to ask Derek whether or not this was always what he had planned. Or like if this is kind of when they came back in the writer's room, this is what they had figured out. Like, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> this was rude. Okay. This was just rude. <laughs> but we're happy with the result. Yes. But like this was rude. <laughs> this was rude. Yeah. Okay. So this episode picks up like obviously right where the finale left off. They're still on the pier. They're still like, you know, the boat's out still in the out water. There. Squad is still underwater. This boat. Yeah. They're or down plane, whatever it was. They're just, yeah. It's a boat. It's a boat. It's a boat. Okay. So it's not yeah. a plane. It's a boat. <laughs> whatever so yeah <laughs> squad is still under the water it's like all you basically need to know and everybody's on the side and they're all just kind of like what the fuck where are they what is happening and you know squad three has run out of air they're they're looking for a way out and and it gets like super titanic for a second because the boat literally like does a 180 and then like sinks mm-hmm. so, and now they're at like the very bottom <laughs> yeah so it all sinks and it opens up an air pocket though so that's good um so they all surface and Severide is like, you guys hang tight. I'm going to go like Avenger my way into an exit, like peace. So they're all like, okay, cool. See you later. So Casey is upside, uh, topside and he's panicking. He's just like, the fuck, the fuck, the fuck. And so finally he's like, bring this boat back. Come and get me. Like we're doing this. And I think I love how he goes to like, it's not just him who go- he goes to squad's truck because he's trying to die. Like he's trying to grab whatever dive gear they left behind. And of course, Gallo is right there on his shoulder. And it's like, dad, dad, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. So Casey gets in the boat. Stella's like, I am coming with you. And he's like, no. And that's an order. But then he stops and he just says, he's like, I'll get him. So I love like the common understanding between these two of like, yeah. why they're we got to the save our person. We've got to go save our person. You know, I mean, yeah. we got to save everyone else too, but like, we got to save our person. I get it. Don't worry. Like, yeah. I got him. Yeah. yeah love it. Yeah. So Severide doing Severide things. Like <laughs> every time you think he can't amaze you more, he does. Okay. So he goes underwater, swims through like these crazy compartments or whatever. And then he finds like the electric circuit board, something or other. The battery? I, I don't really know what he was doing. Me neither. But- he tinkers with it, rigs things around, like moves things, and he quite literally rigs the boat to explode. That was, and that wasn't even just like a little explosion. That was just like huge ass explosion. Um, I, again, I would love to know, I don't know if this is Derek, and obviously when you guys are listening to this, we've talked to Joe. As of recording this, we have not talked to Joe, but I would love to know what the filming of that was like. Yeah. Because I bet that was really complicated. And even just from like the crew's perspective, I'm sure trying to get the permits to be like, hey, we're going to go do this like big ass explosion in the middle of like Michigan, right next to Navy Pier. Like, yeah, we got to do that. And Chicago, like the office of film or whatever is like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just, I would love to know like the behind the scenes. Cause I just think that, yes, honestly, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that to happen, but I'm also just like the nerd in me. It's like, okay, but I want to know how it happened. <laughs> Which we probably know by now, by the time you're listening to this, but that's what I'm saying. We're going to ask Joe, oh, but yeah. we have not asked Joe as of, cause we're recording this on Saturday yeah. and obviously we've interviewed Joe after this. So 
So this whole time, like the first time I saw this, I was like, how the hell did Seth know how to do this? But then it, it, it clicked. I was like, oh, he fixes boats. Like, of course he knows how to do it. But the fact that he's like totally chill and has like the self-awareness to be like trapped underwater and rig something like electrical underwater to explode. Like, I just, it, it just blows my mind. He's such an Avenger. Yeah. Like he's when is such- his Marvel movie? But actually, though, <laughs> when is it? Because Brian and I will be there, like front of line. Yeah. What I love it too that like so our friend Rachel is watching the show for the first time, and she's in like season three of Fire, and she was asking us a question, and we were just like, yeah, but we actually joked that like Severide's an Avenger. She's like, oh my god, that's so perfect. Like it is. He is an Avenger. Yeah. He is an Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. I just the the like the things that he knows how to do. It's just it's staggering it's just and it's impressive every single time you're just like oh he's dangling from 23 feet above a skyscraper okay cool and then you're just like oh he is trapped underwater and just rigged a boat to explode oh cool cool just severide things just severide things it's crazy my other question here is how the hell did this man not get electrocuted i don't know something with our dive gear maybe I don't know. And I don't know too. Like I figured it wouldn't work that well if they're sitting underwater. Like I'm surprised it really worked underwater, but maybe that's just TV magic. I don't know. So then he's got enough time to rig it to explode, to dive on back up through like the obstacle course that is the wreckage enough to surface and be like fire in the hole and kaboom. Like not even just like little kaboom, like huge ass, like big kaboom. kaboom. Yeah. Kaboom. To the point that, like, Casey gets, like, showered with debris on this boat back out to the, like... Yeah, and they're all just like, what the fuck? And everyone else that's, like, on land is like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we see, like, the hole opens. Everybody's got a way out. They swim through. And Sev just kind of turns around and does, like, one last check. And this is the start. This is the shot before the opening credits that made Derek's wife scream no. This is... This is just mean, okay? Mean. So... Kelly turns around and Cruz is just like floating. He's just, he's doing the dead man's float. Like you drowned Cruz. Why? What was the reason? What was the reason? What was the reason? Oh man. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, why did someone have to get hurt? Like they already suffered enough. They did. They ran out of air. Like they already were stuck underwater for way longer than they were supposed to be. Like, why did we have to go there? He's, he's gonna have a baby, baby. Yeah. he's getting ready to have a baby like leave Cruz alone <laughs> leave him alone leave him alone it's rude this was rude so Cruz or not Cruz Captain Tony surfaced first um with the guy who was trapped and I love how Gallo is just playing like the count over on the pier he's like I see them there's two people no there's three like <laughs> he's just so excited and then Casey is like yelling to Cap and Tony and he's like, where's Severide and Cruz? And they're like, no, like he was right behind us. He was right behind us. And Severide surfaces with Cruz and it takes Casey a second before he's like, oh shit. Fuck. Yeah. 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 So Sev swims up to the boat with Cruz and he even tells Casey, he's like, it's not me. Like grab Cruz, grab Cruz, grab Cruz. Yeah. And so 
they grab him. Casey immediately starts CPR, thankfully. And Sev just, Sev can't do anything. He's like gassed. He just, yeah. yeah, he just like gave it all he had just to get him and Cruz out. So yeah, Casey and then the boat driver, they like alternate doing CPR and they take, a, they, they have, they have you going for like a split second where you're just like, come on, come on. Well, and, and they've got Stella over the radio being like, is everyone okay? You know, tell us what's going on. Like, is everyone okay? And you're like, oh, fuck. It's cr-. And then, it, you know, Cruz ends up coughing up water and it's like, oh, thank God. Thank God. That was yeah. mean, Derek. Really mean. <laughs> really mean. Really, really mean. Really mean. Yeah. What was the reason? Ugh. Okay. So then everybody's at men. Literally everybody's everybody. 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 I love how like Crockett's treating Joe and literally the entire firehouse is just in a circle around his bed. Like, right. Not even like waiting outside the room. Nope. Like waiting, you know, in a circle around the bed. Like, yeah. 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 And even Crockett's just like, you're doing really well for the fact that you just drowned. Right. Like, make sure he gets his rest, but like, he'll be fine. And we're all just like, like oh, damn. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then cute little Chloe comes in. Which she's so cute. cute. I know. Um, she just comes in and she's like, oh my God, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And she, her, like, that little baby bump got so big. And she's just the cutest. What I love how, too, after that, she, like, looks at Sylvie and she's like, is he really? Like, is he <laughs> lying to me? Um, and then, yeah, like, Joe, when he puts his hand on her bump, but I'm just like, oh my God. So cute. I so love that. Uh, and Joe's like, I'm really sorry that I ruined the baby shower. So, like, can these two have a moment of peace? I know they again they better have an uncomplicated birth that's all I'm saying like we don't need any more like terrible moments for them if you really think about it Cruz and Chloe's entire relationship just kind of is like it like grew around chaos it really did though because they they met when she was in the high-rise fire and then she was just like minding her own business and crashed her car yep and then on their wedding day Cruz gets a concussion yep and now this. Yep. Leave them alone. For real though. Everything should be like smooth sailing for them after this. Like knock on wood. Knock on wood. We just yeah. that's an order. I'm just kidding. So so then we we kind of check in with the two couples. Um we check in with the Bretzies and we check in with the Stellarides. And I think both of them like it's just hilarious how they tried to be like really subtle that both of them had like, oh my god, thank God you're alive sex, but like yeah. they yeah. I didn't Bretzy and we'll we'll get to Bretzy in a little bit, but like yeah, they didn't even really have a real reason for that, but okay, whatever. I, I don't mind. Um the Stellarides though, I thought was so funny because I love how Stella's like, I just want to like stare at you and make sure you're alive. And he's just like, quit it, like stop. <laughs> and then she's like, actually, like I could think of another reason that I can convince your, me that you're alive. And then they start like making out. But my favorite part of the whole thing is when Severide like is like fuck it and like takes the remote and like throws it across the room and then you can like hear it hit the trash can or what like I thought that was so funny yeah and that in that moment too when they both start laughing I was like oh that's Taylor and Miranda right there that's yeah not I just even thought Kelly it was so funny he just like takes the remote and like chucks it. it across the yeah. room because he knows he's about to get laid I just thought it was so funny so funny so then we have a time jump a little itty bitty one but a time little jump I love this though. This cracked me up. Okay. So Cruz comes back to work after resting up and he has, he has a moment with the Otis statue, which like my heart. Yeah. He just kind of like touches it and, you know, and you can see the date on there too, of like when Otis passed, it's been two years now. Wasn't that crazy? 
Yeah, I know. Crazy. Oh my gosh, I know. Uh, my favorite is the little bit that they like Stella and Mouch do, and they like ignore him. And then Mouch is like, <laughs> "Did you feel like a spirit? Like what? What was that?" And then like as he's like, "Don't step into the light." I like it's so funny. It's so it good. is. I felt a little bad for him though when Cap and Tony were like dead man walking. I was like, "Don't do that to him." Like. Yeah, at least Severide was happy to see. I mean, not that they weren't all happy to see him, but like yeah. Severide didn't play any jokes on him. No, no, it, it was funny though. And Casey's like, I tried to warn them, Cruz. Like, yeah, <laughs> so funny. Uh, so they're like inspecting their gear, they're cleaning their face masks, and and Cruz just kind of freezes up. Like he sees his face mask, and he just kind of freezes up for a second. Hey, things could be a lot worse. We almost lost two of the best firefighters in Chicago. What do you mean two? How do you think you got topside, Cruz? Mermaids carried you? That right pulled me out, I know that, but... Are you saying that he got into trouble because of me? What happened? He pushed himself way past his limits. He was either gonna come up with you or not at all. I thought this was interesting that A, Cruz didn't really know yet, like, what truly happened to him like obviously he knows he drowned you know like he knows the basics but the fact that like Severide kind of put his life on the line too to help save Cruz mm-hmm. um I thought was interesting and also which we'll get to in a second too but like Cruz's PTSD is really showing like I enjoyable is not the right word but like I'm glad we're seeing that it wasn't just like oh I'm fine like that this is clearly gonna keep affecting him yeah it's gonna spook him a little bit for sure but yeah and I I will say this though it it, it I would not have known that Severide had pushed himself way past his limits had Cap not said it yeah I guess I just really I mean it makes sense once Cap said it because obviously they've been out of air for a long time so the fact that they went up and Severide went back down to get Cruz and you know like it makes sense now that Cap said it but I don't think I would have really thought about it. Cause again, Severide's an Avenger. I wouldn't have really thought about it. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. Severide's indestructible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then after shift, Cruz talks to Sev about what Cap told him. And this is just so sweet. Like, I don't know. And, and Sev just plays it off in a very Sev way. He's just like, I knew if I came up without you that I'd have to answer to Chloe. Like, that's so Severide. It's such a Severide answer. It really is. It really is. He's like, ooh, ooey gooey feelings. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Cruz yeah. is like, I don't know how I could ever thank you. And so I was just like, buy me a beer and we'll call it even. Like such a Severide response. Yeah. But the other um, thing, this made me wor- this made me wonder now if the baby's middle name is gonna be Kelly. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but it honestly made, I guess, I know there's been a lot of talk about like if if baby Cruz is going to have godparents, like who's going to be the godparents or whatever. I think, obviously I think Brett would be the godmother like that. There is no doubt in my mind, but I I think I already thought that it would be Kelly if Kelly was the godfather, but I think this just, all of it just solidified. I was like, oh, like Kelly definitely would be that baby's godfather. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Brian Kelly Cruz. Oh man. That baby's name had better be Brian. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also really like the fact that obviously later at Molly's, Stella like makes everyone a drink and, you know, calls it like Kelly's liquid courage. And she's like, <laughs> maybe it might help that like you should like call your mom and tell her we're engaged. And 
Um, I like that we're kind of getting into this. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that means Mama Severide will be back at some point. I hope so. Although her her reaction to this though it was not good. Um, it doesn't surprise me though. But so Severide says to Stella, he's like, I'm not scared to call her. He's like, I'm just not sure I really want to hear what she has to say. And Stella's like trying to be all optimistic about it. And she's like, well, you know, maybe I'll surprise, you know, whatever. Um, but then so we're at like next shift and Herman overhears Cruz, you know, talking to Chloe on the phone about the baby shower venues. Cause obviously they didn't get to have their shower, got a little derailed, but they lost the deposit on a venue. So they're trying to figure that all out. And Herman's like, actually, you can have Molly's patio for free. And Cruz is like, eh, I don't know if Chloe wants to have a baby shower at a pub. And Herman's like, well, it's a fancy pub. And Cruz is like, I know, but you know. I love how Herman said that's so matter of fact that he's like, it's a classy pub. Like, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. He's like very offended the fact that like they don't want to have their baby shower at Molly's. Um, but so as that part is ending, Severide and Stella walk into the kitchen and Severide's like, actually, I called my mom. And he's like, but it went exactly like I thought it would. And he's like, you know, she just keeps repeating herself about Severide men being doomed to fail at marriage. And Stella just, you know, reassures Severide. She's like, you know, she's wrong. Like, and you know that, like, you're no Benny. Um, I hadn't really thought about Mama Severide's reaction, really. It makes sense. I don't think it's the right reaction because obviously Severide is not Benny. Um, he's not his father's son. But it makes sense to me. This reaction to me seemed out of character for her because, I mean, we only knew her for a very short amount of time. But what we did learn is that, you know, she's very sweet um, and she loves Kelly. And that that does it didn't sound to me like that was something she'd say. I don't know. It didn't really surprise me that much. Um, but I guess I am glad we are getting Mama Severide references. And mm-hmm. like, I hope we do see her at some point. Um, and I hope she comes around. But, you know, I thought yeah. it was interesting. Um, so we have this apartment complex fire and we'll get to that in a second, but they're getting ready to enter the building. Well, squad is getting ready to enter. And like, again, Cruz goes to put his mask on and freezes up again. Um, so again, this PTSD is just continuing. Is the reason, again, we haven't talked to Joe. You guys have heard our interview with Joe, but we haven't talked to Joe. Mm-hmm. Is the reason that he is so like having the PTSD when it comes to putting the mask on you think because of the lack of air they had like down underwater and that is why you know he's afraid about running out of air and you know like the drowning part do you think that's what that is I could certainly see that being it because I just wonder why it's the mask itself like he's not afraid about the running into the fire or whatever it's about actually putting the mask on Mm -hmm. um so interesting But so Herman is on his way out of shift and he sees Cruz just kind of like sitting in front of his locker. And, you know, Herman's like, are you sure you're okay? And Cruz is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm fine. But Herman knows, like, Herman knows deep down, like, Cruz is not, you know, okay. And Cruz is like, actually, you know, I've just been off for the last couple of weeks. You know, I think it's just stress at home, but like, you know, I'm I'm fine. And again, Herman knows better and get that look on his face that like, okay, Herman's whipping something up, but like, we don't know quite yet what it is. But the episode kind of just ends the next night. You know, Herman and Mouch lead Clo- a blindfolded Chloe and Cruz into Molly's and they're surprised with the baby shower on the patio. And it's just such a sweet gesture. And it's so sweet. It's so cute. Yeah. Very, very cute. And thank God Cruz is alive. Rude, thank God. rude, rude to scare us yeah. with that. Um, I'm curious 
to see how far they go with the PTSD stuff. Cause like they don't really get into a lot of that. Like they did it a little bit with Otis back, you know, when he experienced that PTSD from the high rise fire after he saw that mom and the baby burn, Mm -hmm. they showed a little bit of it, but they didn't really get into it. So I kind of hope, not that I want to see Cruz to suffer, but as a fan, I hope that we get to see that play out, you know, mm-hmm. and him really deal with that. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure, obviously, there's ties to Otis in there as well, as we saw with the memorial. And I'm sure that, obviously, it has to do with the fact that, like, he could have lost his life and he's about to be a new father. And that really scared him. Like, I'm sure there's a lot to deal with there. So I hope we get to see Cruz deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if there's any like survivor's guilt that he survived, but like Otis didn't. I'm sure that's part of it too. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think there's a lot of different emotions in there and I hope we get to see Cruz like really deal with it and talk to some, you know, like at, go to therapy, like go talk to somebody about it. Like, you know, it's okay that you're not okay. Right. And right. I hope that that's something they address. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh man, like the more I think about that too, with like survivor's guilt, like Cruz is going to be like, he's going to feel bad that like the team was there to save him, but they weren't, they couldn't be there to save Otis. Yeah. And especially because Cruz was the first one when Otis died, you know, to find Otis and whatever. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's going to feel guilty that he, you know, he's the one that found Otis, but he still couldn't do anything to help him. It was too late. And, you know, yeah, it was too late. And it's just, yeah, I'm sure that's going to bring up a lot of, and obviously, like I said, he's entering fatherhood now and he's going to have this whole new person to be responsible for. And I think that's going to bring up a lot of, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, raise this child, you know, like be there for this child and save the child if something would ever happen to him. Like, I'm sure that brings up a lot of conflicting things too. And I I think it's going to be really good. I just hope we get to see that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So time to talk about the Bretzies. It's our first time to talk about them as like an official couple. I know. I love it. Love so it. like we were saying before, they go, they go back to Brett's apartment after shift and then they basically have, thank God we're alive sex. Um, yeah. but Brett's just like, you know, if you hadn't been there when they brought Cruz to the surface and Casey's like, any of our guys could have handled it, but I'm glad I was there. True statement. Yeah. Anybody could have handled it. Um, but then of course they immediately start making out and Brett turns the lights off. Yeah. Again, thank God everyone's alive sex. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> So 61 gets called out to an apartment complex where there's a woman who's gone off her meds and she thinks she's a queen um, and she's like throwing plates and stuff. And the patient's a frequent flyer. So Brett knows her, but Brett handles it like perfectly, just perfectly, very calmly, like just kind of like coaxes her to sit down and take her meds and, you know, plays a lot, knows to play along with the, you know, situation and yeah, it works. Yeah. Brett's really good at it. Yeah. So yeah, she just talks her down and everything, and um, it's great, but also it's not something that 61 should have been called out to. But uh, Violet makes a really interesting point that, like, she's like, yeah, this should have been something for the cops or whatever, but she's like, you know, I'm glad we it was, uh, you know, like, the cops probably wouldn't have handled it right either, no. so it worked if they, it worked in this situation that it was them, but, like, definitely not something ambulances should have been called out for. Right, right. So then later at shift at Molly's, Brett and Casey are talking about how weird it's going to be without Bowden at 51, which we'll get there in a second, but... Um, I just, they have that moment where they stare at each other for like a good full, like five seconds. And I just, I love them. I love how the first half of this episode is just subtle references to them having tons of sex. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, but that's what I, you know, like they're, I mean, obviously they right at this moment, they're keeping it to themselves, but like they're in that lovey-dovey, like new, I, I love you, like relationship stage and all they want to do is have a ton of sex. So there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but it just makes me laugh that like the whole first half of the episode, it's like, where are the breathsies? Oh, they're, they're, they're having, having sex. sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, and Brett suggests that they go out, they get out of there. And Casey's like, well, we can make a low key exit. Right. And then like, they try to sneak out, but it's not, no, no, no answer is no, they cannot make a low key exit. No. Um, but the thing I loved about this most is like, after they leave the camera pans to Mouch and Herman who are watching them clearly walk away. And Mouch is like, do they not realize that we all know they're together? And Herman's like, well, how could we not know? And Mouch is like, we knew a year before they did. True story. Yeah. Everybody, it was obvious to everybody uh yeah like the whole last season was literally like people taking turns telling them how in love with each other they are right everyone i mean even violet who literally is like brand new is like yeah i know you're in love with casey i mean (laughs) it's so obvious to everyone but them that they were in love with each other so i i just thought that was really funny so funny so funny so then on her way into shift the next morning brett stops the paramedics from the outgoing shift and she just asked them if like there was a crane collapse she's like did you guys make it to that and they said they didn't because they got stuck with a frequent flyer who wanted them to basically take him to his next doctor's appointment and one of the medics just says he's like sooner or later a victim's gonna end up dead because we're too busy patching up an old timer who cut himself shaving so and then the wheels are kind of turning with Brett at this point she's like thinking she's formulating something we just don't know what yet also the pink eyeshadow on her not bad I I like that look I noticed it too not necessarily in this scene but as she's like leaving the next shift like the end scene Mm -hmm. but yeah I a plus a plus, yeah. That, that's that's something that I wish I could rock, but like I can't because of my eye color. But- I know I'm like terrible. I'm terrible about trying like extreme colors. I typically wear like you know a neutral champagne, you know, like something yeah. that's not crazy. But like I kind of wish I could rock some of the more like wild colors. Yeah, yeah. With with like my eyes are blue, and so I'm pretty much pigeonholed into like dark brown. Yeah, yeah. But fun colors are cool. Yeah, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so. Later on, all of 51 gets called to this apartment complex fire and truck 81 is in charge of getting the teen on the roof. So, cause yeah, there's, there's this kid who's stuck on the roof. And so they, they go up, it's like Casey and Gallo and kid. Um, and Mouch. And Mouch and Mouch. Yes, that's right. Um, and they they find the kid, the kid's like staying in the corner, which like, do you think he was in the corner just out of fear? Or do you think he knew that the roof was buckling? Both both yeah so this kid is like closer he's he's well not closer to mouse the kid's like stranded in a corner gallo and kid take a step and they go through the roof yep casual it, it at least they're okay i was really worried they like fall and obviously casey's like i can't see them i can't see them but they're like okay no no we're okay and i'm like okay right right yeah like damn uh so Casey comes up with this plan to basically like shimmy along the side and secure the guy, the boy, and then like swing back to the other side where Mouch is going to grab them. And the whole time it's happening, Brett is like super worried, but Casey, sure enough, like Spider-Man's his ass from one end of the building to the other. Okay. We have to talk about something that is clearly just like an editing continuity error. Okay. So they get up on the roof, right? Obviously the ladder is leaning against the roof, like touching the roof so they can get off. Right. Mm-hmm. 
But as they are filming the scene where Casey swings, the ladder is definitely no longer touching the roof, like at all. And obviously that's, I guess, enough room for Casey to swing through. But then after he makes the, you know, comment about how like, Match is like, good job there. And Casey's like, good catch or whatever that comment is. And they're like, okay, they say a little comment to the boy off the side about like, okay, now get on the ladder or whatever. But the ladder is still nowhere near touching the roof, like at all. But they're like, get on the ladder. And it's like, how are the hell are they supposed to get on the ladder? Like, clearly that's just like a filming thing and editing, whatever. But I just thought it was funny. I was like, there it was touching the roof for them to get on the roof. And now it is nowhere even near the roof, like at yeah. all for the rest of that call. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny. Those are always fun to spot. Yeah, like, it's not a big deal or anything. No. It was just like, oh, like, clearly you can tell this is multiple shots and multiple different things or whatever, because it was touching the roof for them to get on it. And now it is nowhere near the roof. It's like, it makes me think of that episode we covered this summer where the guy, they were doing, that other firehouse was doing that ladder drill and the guy did fall off the ladder and they were like oh no it was touching the roof and then it clearly was not touching the roof it just made me think of that I was like there's no way they're getting back on the ladder from this roof it's they can't like I was just thinking about that I was like oh okay that's funny that's funny so then Brett and Casey are walking out of shift together and she's just like oh I really didn't like the feeling of like watching you on the roof during the call and just being like so flirty something was different watching you up there now that we're together I can't describe the pit in my stomach at the idea of anything happening to you. I had it all under control, I promise. I'd still like you to never, ever do that again. <laughs> I'll try my best. Painful as it was to watch. I'm glad 61 made it to the call. Me too. I've been busy with so many non-emergencies lately. Yeah, I've been thinking of a way I might be able to help that situation, actually. Yeah? See you later, lovebirds. Okay, if those two know, then everyone knows. So, tell me about your plan. Yeah, I think the thing that I love about this scene, obviously as a Bretzy fan, is that I love to, like, they just, you know, they've, this is not only a new relationship, but like they had, even though they were never together prior to this, Mm -hmm. like they have that deep history. I mean, they ended the finale by saying like, I love you. It wasn't like a, oh, I like you. Like we're going to date. Cool. Like they're in a very different place, even though they've just started this relationship. Mm -hmm. So the fact that like Brett is like, you know, there was something obviously different about watching you up there now. Like I, you know, I don't want to even think about the fact of like something happening to you. Um, You know, it's deep, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're they are in the lovey-dovey phase, but like they're still kind of well past it being a new relationship. Well, like they're they, in the lovey-dovey phase of like, oh, we can actually like be together. Like this is what we've wanted for basically two years, and like we can actually be with each other, even though in literally until as we hear in this clip, you know, Cap and Tony called them out. Like they were thought they were hiding it when they weren't hiding it at all. Um but, you know, they finally can now be with each other. And it's like, they're enjoying that. But, like, they're way past just, like, the begin- the typical beginnings of a new relationship. I thought it was so cute after, when, when Brett was like, well, now everybody knows. And Casey just, like, slips his arm around her. I was like, oh, that was smooth. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, now if we're really out in the open, like. Yeah. Okay. That was cute. Um, yeah. But also in this clip, we hear, you know, Brett say that, you know, she's glad 61 made it to the call and that like, you know, she may have an idea to help 
the multitude of non-emergency calls they're getting. I'm curious what that idea is. I'm sure we'll see that in the next episode. But yeah, um, it sounds like they're really going to take like a mental health angle, which like, yes, please give it to me. I am ready. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, too, because obviously mental health emergencies are still emergencies, but they're not really the kind for ambulances. Right. And so I think them drawing that line, if that is the angle they're truly taking, Mm -hmm. which it kind of seems like maybe it is, but I think that would be really interesting because again, it is still emergencies and they still are people who need help, but it's not necessarily something they need the police for. And it's not necessarily really something they need ambulances for. So how do you navigate like if they call, if somebody calls 911 for something like that, well, as the 911 operator, like how do you figure out who to send out? Right. Um, So, right. Yeah. So, um, next up, we've got Bowden and Stella. These two just, this, their relationship is just so beautiful. I know it's, I really enjoyed it in season nine, but it just seems like it's gotten deeper in like, I thought it was the best part of this episode. For sure. For sure. Brenda, take it away. Okay. So Bowden goes to, after the whole, you know, boat incident whatever we're past that um Bowden goes to see dc hill who's requested to see him and he thinks that she's actually wants to see him for a review of the Bowden incident um but she's actually regarding the deputy district chief position and all we see her say is like you know there's been a decision cut to eventually later kylie um comes into Bowden's office and she's like you know um he got something from the commissioner's office and all it re- but she's like confused all it says is that press release is going out like you're free to make an announcement so Bowden walks into the kitchen and announces that he has officially been promoted to deputy district chief and everyone's happy for him and Stella is happy for him but she also looks concerned so she's like you know does this mean you're not going to be working out of 51 anymore and Bowden's like, you know, my office won't be here, but I, you know, you're not getting rid of me. Like, you'll still see plenty of me. But then, so Bowden stops by Molly's after shift, specifically to talk to Stella and, you know, kind of her concerns about him taking this new job. And this is just, I think, an amazing scene to lead into play the whole audio. Can I get you a drink? Actually, I'm not here for drink. I'm here to talk to you. Everything okay? That's what I'm wondering. You seemed concerned today when I made my announcement. Did I? Mm. No. I, no, I'm really happy for you. You know, you deserve this promotion. Stella, don't do that. Your honest opinion means a great deal to me. Talk to me. Okay. You know, firefighters always say that their house is like a family Mm -hmm. but ours actually is and that is because of you i couldn't help but think about it when we were in the hospital with Cruz. wait everyone was there for him and chloe and then i i saw it again with severide and Cruz this morning i see it every day and it is because you you are with us right there guiding us and i'm not saying this for myself because i'm gone the next open lieutenant slot i'm saying it for the good of the people that i love 
Are you saying that you want me to turn down the job? No. I don't know. No, I no, that would be wrong and, and very unfair. And of course you would make a great DDC. But the truth is, if you go, 51 will never be the same. <sighs> you can't leave, Chief. I love that he went to Stella. Like obviously. Stella means well but I love that he went to her he was like no 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 like your honest opinion means a great deal to me like I really want to know like why you feel the way you feel you know like I really want to know mm -hmm. um I just I loved everything about this yeah yeah and sh and she was honest with him she just you know poured her heart out yeah well and the fact that like she knows that even though she's probably gonna have to leave 51 like she doesn't want it to change for you know everyone else that she loves mm -hmm. and that you know they've really created a family and it really is something special and it's just you know like i just i love them mm -hmm. i love them so Bowden Bowden really takes it to heart and he actually chooses to go see dc hill and ask her like is there any way possible for him to work at a 51 um, and he's like, I'm not really trying to be difficult. He's like, I just want to be the most effective, you know, deputy district chief that I can be. And he's like, I really think it would be, I would be most effective working at a 51. But DC Hill is like, yeah, no, <laughs> like you can't do that. Like you knew what you were signing up for. Um, and basically says that like, it's because of politics, like whatever alderman who, you know, is in charge of the ward that Bowden's going to now be working out of, like really takes it as like a pride and joy thing. And like, it's basically politics, but like, yeah, no, there's no way you're changing it. So they get back from that apartment complex fire call and Bowden gets everyone gathered on the apron floor and makes this like super heartfelt speech that honestly just had me in tears. I just want to say that I have never been prouder of this group not just because of the incredible job that you did out there today, but it's because of who you are. You always look out for each other. 51 has been blessed. Many of us been together for over 10 years. That is unheard of in the fire service, but big changes are becoming. Most important thing that I want you to remember as we move into this uncertain future, we will always be a family. No matter where any of us go. I love this little family. I do too. Honestly, and when he says he's like, you know, like not, he's like, you know, says he's never been prouder. He's like, not just because of what you did out there today, but because of who you are. And I was just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then when he made the point to be like, many of us have been together for like 10 years now. I'm like, mm, we're part of that too. Yeah. Well, and then he ends, he's like, you know, like wherever we go, like whatever the future is, like we'll always be family no matter where, what. And I'm just like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes me so emotional. I just, I love them. I love them. I love them too. So things end or wrap up for this storyline, you know, at Chloe and Cruz's baby shower, like Stella goes over to Bowden and like apologizes for what she said. And she grew she opens up a little bit about how, you know, she never grew up in a loving and happy house. So like once she found it, it felt like a miracle. And she's like, even though I'm not going to be here, like I just didn't want it to change for the sake of everyone. Um, but I love how Bowden, you know, lifts her up too in a way too. Cause he's like, obviously you leaving will affect this place just as much. Um, 
I just all the tears yeah like every scene these two had I was just like oh my god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we just have to trust that what we built up is strong enough to hold it Ugh. is strong enough to hold yeah I know I know mm-hmm. I I like what do you think's gonna happen with these two do you think they're gonna find a way for both of them to stay at the firehouse I think long term yes mm-hmm. like I don't think there's really any good way for both of them to truly be working out of other places and still be a part of the show. Like I just mm-hmm. don't, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if for both of them, they don't leave for a little bit. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Bowden go to it's 19, right. That he'll be working so. out of like, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Bowden trying to work out of 19 and be like, this just isn't working. And same with Stella. Like it wouldn't surprise me if she works at another house for a little bit, but then somehow finds her way back to like, I just can't imagine long-term them working somewhere else. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if for a little bit, they go and work somewhere else. You know, what cracked me up, um, was when Gallo and Ritter come in, like Cruz and Sever talking and Gallo and Ritter come in to like talk about the Bowden thing. And uh, they're like, yeah, but like, we're never going to see him. And Sever just goes, it'll be fine. I think like they're shaped, they, I think they want it to look like Gallo and Ritter are kind of like afraid of Severide, which is hilarious. Um, yes. Yeah. Because Severide may come across as intimidating, but he's really not. He's really he's not. He's a big softy. Yep. Um, but the fact that they find him intimidating is really funny. It is. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's very funny. Just I remember like Gallo, Gallo interacting with Severide last season and then like Severide just being like, that's all. You can go. Like, yeah. Bye. Like, I hope they keep playing into that because it's pretty funny. Yeah. So that brings us to our last little segment here, which is the Millennials. Oh. Uh, yeah. I love the millennials. Our favorite little trio, Gallo, Ritter, and Violet. They're hilarious. Okay. So at breakfast, Herman slides Gallo a piece of paper and he's like, that's your unpaid tab at Molly's. And Gallo's like, shit. <laughs> so Ritter's like, this is what I've been saying all along. We need a side gig. And they're trying to brainstorm stuff with a fire theme. And this is just great because, you know, Gallo's like, well, we could do a florist shop. Like my cousin has one by a funeral home. And Violet's like, we're not doing flowers. Like we're not, no. Um, And they're going to do like firefighter stuff or whatever. And then I love how Gallo's like, well, what about candles? And the way she just like deadpans, she just looks at him and goes, you light them on fire. Well, yeah, because Violet, <laughs> Violet at first is like, well, what does a florist have to do with it? And Gallo's like, well, what is a candle? He like tries to like rebut back and she's like, you light them on fire. Like, it's just like, duh. <laughs> like, no offense, so but funny. that sounds kind of girly. <laughs> uh, and Ritter's just like, oh, hell. Like, he, they, they're just like, we're going to table it and we'll discuss more ideas later. Poor Ritter yeah. is just caught in the middle of these two. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So then after shift, they're back up there at Molly's and they're trying to discuss ideas again, but Gallo and Violet just keep bickering, which is, again, hilarious. So Ritter's like, fuck this noise. I'm getting drinks. Like, I can't stand you guys. And Gallo is like, can you cover me? Like, I'm low on cash. So they walk into shift and Ritter's like, okay, I finally found a way that we can do this without hurting each other's feelings. Like we can write it on a piece of paper, put it in a hat, pull it out anonymously. And then of course, Gala was like, I wrote you a birthday card once you found my handwriting. Like, Yeah. And they start bickering and like, I can't deal with these two. Like they're just amazing, but neither can Ritter. Ritter's like, fuck this again. Like I'm just walking away, but like they just start bickering about handwriting. It's so 
It's so good. It's adorable is what it is. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So then finally, after shift, they, Violet and Ritter go to Gallows to discuss ideas. And Gallo, like, hands them these bottles that I got right from the get-go. I was like, those are some bougie-ass bottles. That's like- Those are big. They're bigger than normal beer bottles. I was like, what is this? With, like, the cap that you have to, like, not unscrew, but there's, like, a latch. And, like, yeah, that's, like, a heavy duty. I was like, damn, Gallo, it's bougie shit. Um. So they go to discuss ideas and Ritter's like, wait a second, like you guys are getting along. What the hell? And this is the cutest thing. Violet just goes, anytime Ritter or anytime Gallo almost dies, I stop wanting to kill him for like two days. It's literally their relationship in a nutshell. I love them so much. I, yeah, I, I just adore everything that Violet, Violet and Gallo is. I, I, I. I can't stop saying enough how much I love them. I think that would be such a genius B story if like in order to keep them getting along, like Ritter, Ritter just basically tells Gallant, it's like, listen, anytime you almost die, like Violet, you and Violet get along. Like we should just like constantly put you with like, they make it a running gag of like putting, putting you in, danger. in these horrible situations so that they get along and get something done. That would make such a kick-ass B story sometime this season. It would be so funny. I just, I love Again, I love them. I love their trio. It works so well. I just, yeah, I love mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So they take sips of the beer and Gallo's like, oh yeah, I've been brewing my own beer. Like whatever. And Violet's like, this is amazing. This is our business. So they're going to, they're going to form a microbrewery, which I'm like, yes, please. Also, it's not put in here, but at the end of the scene, Herman shows up to the door and because he's asking for Gallo's cousin's information, because obviously Gallo had mentioned that his cousin's a florist, but I love Herman's little comment about how like he sees Ritter and Violet in the background. He's like, are you three all the ways together? And Gallo doesn't even say anything. And he's like, that's weird. And I'm just like, but everyone at some point has lived together, been together for 24 hours. Like that's not that weird for this group of people, but whatever, Herman. Nope. Nope. They never separate. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just, it's so cute. I I love them. I'm excited to see how this, you know, side business works. I, it's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So a, a solid premiere out of fire too. Yeah, very, very solid. Very for fuck's solid. sake, can we not do anything to Cruise now? Can we like Please. leave them alone? And I swear to God, if Chloe and Cruise do not have an uncomplicated pregnancy or birth, I swear to God. No, we, we riot. We riot. We, we truly riot, riot. We I mean, truly will riot. We tweet angrily. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Yeah. Leave them alone. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, PD time. Oh, man. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. It's that time. Just a stretch. Sip that drink. Yeah. Oh, I have feelings. Oh, feelings. man. What an episode. What an episode indeed. Um. Oh, man. Okay. So, like we got to start with the case which really isn't even a case it's a kind of a goose chase i i hated this so much what the void of it all the fact i mean like what part of it specifically i okay i i mean i usually hate the case because i'm just like there's so many freaking details just give me the good stuff but (laughs) i hated this case even more because it it was a non-case we already knew the answer we knew the result we were like why are they why are you sending why are you sending them down this rabbit hole why are you making them work a case it's not a case yeah because everyone else doesn't know what's a case that's why they're still sending you know this makes me so angry this makes me so angry okay so 
we start off and again it's not even really a case but Voight's like yeah we're gonna chase this lead we're gonna find Roy and Samantha's like we're handing the case off and Hank's like no we're not like that's not happening so CPIC got Roy's car and heard gunshots because remember in the finale like Voight basically found Roy at a warehouse um and so they, they, they found Roy's car there, but they, somebody, somebody also was in the area and heard gunshots, which obviously was Haley. Uh, so Hank sends Jay and Kevin and Haley um, on this basic, basically a useless goose chase so that he can pretty much get away with using Haley as a pawn. Like, yep. Oh, this like makes me rage. Okay, so obviously the warehouse is like squeaky clean, like squeaky clean. Of course, Hank knows how to clean a crime scene, right? Of course. Except- Except for the hairband. Yeah, except for the hairband. Now, uh, but but Hank tells her to leave it, doesn't he? No, like she picks it up. Yeah, but well, he, no, tells he, tells, he tells her to leave it and then like she ends up picking she, it up. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Cause like, I was, it was a little garbled and I was like, man, this would help if we had the captions, which we don't. But um, yeah, Hank is like, leave it here. We need your DNA at the scene. But she grabs it anyway. She's like, no, whatever. They're going to find a strand of hair. Like, yeah, they'll find something. Uh, and so, I mean, it just, it, there's a couple of steps along the way in this episode where I'm just like, everything is just so perfectly like covered. I'm just like, is nobody alarmed that Hank, the guy who's like supposed to be the good guy, the cop who's like the sergeant in charge and stuff knows how to cover a murder this well? Well, he's done it now once more that we, twice, once more that we know of. Justin's twice. killer. Yeah, Justin's killer. So is that the only one? That, that is the only of. one, right? That we know of. Because he, he didn't kill Popo, right? No. Okay, I think that's the only one. But still, once is enough to learn. Uh, yeah, like, if you're a normal person in civilization, one murder is enough to put you away forever. But this is Hank Voigt we're talking about. This is not okay. Okay, so, so Kevin and Jay are like, well, why doesn't anything make sense? Like, nothing is fitting together. This is so weird. So the witness who called in the shots, he basically describes this tan car and neither Hank nor Haley knew about it. And like, they're like secretly like freaking out inside because obviously they're like, oh fuck, we're about to get caught. Like what the hell? Yeah. And so, and and Haley's kind of coming unglued because the guy is like being a dick. And then she's like, oh my God, just describe the car. (laughs) Um, But Platt basically finds the details about the car and it belongs to Mark Irwin. Mark Irwin is the guy who led hank to roy yep hank and then the leader Haley. so yep. hank, hank sends jay and cub down that rabbit hole while Haley like just absolutely demands to talk and Voight could not have handled this any worse in my opinion Voight. Voight. not here not yet Haley, you gotta calm down now i'm just trying to understand what the plan is i mean maybe i'm missing it but chasing mark the one person that can put us away doesn't exactly seem like a genius strategy to me all right so what's the alternative Hmm. ducking the evidence ignoring active leads tipping off halstead and atwater that we're afraid to find him mark's seen our faces he's the one who told us where roy was hiding now we know he's been to the warehouse what if he's Haley? you have got to stop this here and now Unless this is too much for you and you want to confess, if that's the case, if that's what you really want, then you have got to let me know right now. No, I don't want that. 
okay? Then you gotta accept what happened, no matter how bad it tastes. I'm good. She is not good. No, I'm like, he thinks he's being reassuring and like, this is literally like textbook definition on how not to reassure someone. Like, this is like, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you just gotta forget. Like, I got it, we're fine, whatever. And she's like, he's like, are you got, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And it's like, no, 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 no. You do not just like stop the conversation there. Like, what are you doing? Right, right, right. Uh, and I actually, I went back to the finale just to like refresh my memory on a couple of little details there. And like, if you just think about it, I mean, okay, Voight basically tells her that she knew what she was going to see when she rolled up on the scene. Like she knew what she was going to find. She knew that like Hank was going to try and kill him, which means Hank was always going to kill Roy. Hank always had the intent to murder him right then and there. Like, yeah. And that to me is so disturbing. It is disturbing, but I think honestly is more disturbing for me out of this whole thing is the fact that he knows that he's the leader of intelligence and he knows that he knows his people and he knows that Haley wasn't just going to leave him there even after she showed up like there's a reason she showed up in the first place Mm -hmm. um and so the fact that he handled it the way that he did and like now he's dragged Haley into the situation like we've kind of talked about this before but did he not learn anything from the Al situation clearly not no no he didn't and i i mean why didn't he send Haley away the same way he did aaron when justin died although i well aaron definitely came back to help hide the body but yeah yeah like i i don't know i i don't know i always think about the line from hamilton when it's like you have them turn around so they can have deniability what like why and that's exactly what he did with Aaron why didn't he do that with Haley he should have told her like get out yeah when he tried to but Haley was too stubborn but at that point he should have like for I mean he should have forced her out yeah but maybe he was worried that she'd talk he, I don't think he would have known I don't think she, I don't think for one second he thought that he would have she would have talked so really she was damned if she did damned if she didn't I think so Oh man, it's crazy. And I, I mean, just rewatching that scene when, when Roy goes for the gun, I mean, I was just trying to think, I'm like, is there anything that Hank could have done differently then? And the only thing I can think of is that he could have hated, he could have handed Haley his gun, but I mean, is that even protocol? I don't know. I think there's a lot of things Hank could have done differently. I don't think there's anything he would have done differently. No, but I think there's a lot of things he could have done differently. But also if he, if he forces Haley away and the same, well, if he forces Haley away, he doesn't uncuff Roy because obviously he kills him. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a shitty situation all around. Like I, yeah, he could have, I, but you know what? I bet, I bet there is no protocol for that, for that, because there's probably no protocol that involves handcuffing somebody to a table. Right. Yeah. There's uh, not a lot of protocols for a lot of things that Boyd does, um, but yeah, I think, like I said, I think there's a lot of things that Boyd could have done differently. I mm-hmm. think, you know, there's there was nothing else he was going to do differently, though. And that's kind of, you know, the unfortunate part. Um, but yeah. I mean, what was he going to do if everything went according to plan and they brought him in? Like, I think, well, Haley even said, Haley was like, we make up a story about how he went for the weapon and we sell it up the chain, but would Hank have gone with that? I just have so many questions. I'm like, cause I, I don't, I don't want to believe that Hank put her in the situation and just willingly was like, here, 
Haley, like, let me just like put you in this position of not being able to sleep at night because you murdered somebody. No, I think he always thought it was going to be him that killed Roy. Like mm-hmm. he what he was going to be the one, like probably he thought that because of how everything with Al shaped out, like he was going to be the one to kill Roy so that it wouldn't be any, you know, nobody else would have to go down for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Haley feels some kind of protect you know connection to Boyd and wants to protect him and wants you know didn't want him to do that so then she decided to do it I don't think it was ever Voight's plan to have Haley do it I think it just kind of the way it all happened and it just kind of happened that way and I you know yeah it's a now it's become a you know unfortunate situation but I don't think it was ever I think it was always Voight's plan for him to kill Haley yeah or not kill Haley for him Roy. to kill Roy and for Haley never to have done taken the shot yeah yeah so uh they do find Mark's laptop at at, at the house and Voight just conveniently insists that he take it back he's like yeah. no Kevin I got it you guys go do this it's fine, fine. and they're totally all just like fine. yeah okay and I'm just like what well, are you guys idiot like what are you doing mm-hmm. right right so Voight has a CI hack the computer, finds the video of he and Haley at the warehouse and deletes it. But like Fucking nothing Voight. ever truly dies on the internet. But it wasn't on the internet. It was on a computer. But nothing ever truly dies. On the internet, on, not on a computer. I think a lot of stuff could really die on a computer. She, she even says it though. She's like, nothing's ever truly deleted. I guess, but I don't know. I If it was on the internet, then definitely. But if it, I don't know. It's crazy. But. It's crazy. So he deletes the video and then basically relays it to Haley in code. And it's like, I found this video. but the And now drive, it is gone. Yeah, but the hard drive was really damaged. Um, and yeah. the whole point of it is basically, he basically tells her without telling her, like, if you find him, grab his phone. Yeah. 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 So they, like... Haley and Jay chase this lead at this like car shop or something and they spot Mark across the street and like they chase him. Haley lets him go. Haley! I know. I was literally, I was like, no, she's not. She's not. And then she did and I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Which obviously it's because if they grab Mark, he's going to talk, right? Right. No, I got why it happened. But like as a fan, I'm just like sitting here. I'm like, what the fuck? Like- like she's like she's just making it so much worse for herself but also it's not entirely her fault like uh it's yeah the whole situation is just maddening okay so um Haley lets him go and like later on Jay and Kev are talking to Voight and Voight's like where's Haley Jay's like I'm gonna find her like don't worry Jay finds her puking her guts out this poor thing is like she cannot live with herself right now she cannot deal to the point that she's like stressed out enough that she's throwing up she's so traumatized so traumatized Ugh. yeah it's it's maddening oh my gosh okay so then like they they have this conversation she's a little defensive she's just like it sounds like you're blaming me like he was weaving in and out of traffic what do you want me to do and jay's like hey hey slow down like cool it's fine so avoid basically is like we're gonna handle it one problem at a time like don't worry um you know one problem at a time we're basically just like he's basically winging it and covering up a murder he's just winging it yeah he had he tells Haley he has a plan and like to act calm because otherwise they'll blow the fact that you know they just committed murder but like he really has no plan (laughs) no no plan at all no yeah and so Samantha shows up and Samantha's like kind of frantic right because she 
she wants justice, you know? Um, and she's just like, you know, I, I just, I need to know this guy's taken care of, like what the hell's going on. And Voight gives her this speech about how when Justin died, there was just this like noise that never went away. And under normal circumstances, I'd be like, how nice he's like relating to her. But hearing this, I'm like, oh, so now you're going to use Justin's death and exploit her grief to further your own agenda. Really? Right. When especially the thing is, nobody cares if Roy's dead or not. Right. Like nobody like they've even said, like, if we find him dead or alive, like, I don't really care as long as like he is not out there on the streets, like doing this to other people. Like, I don't really care if he's dead or not. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the fact that like they killed him. It's about the fact that they killed him and they're still, like you said, setting up this wild goose chase. And again, this is the exact same thing that Voight did when just like he was Samantha at one point and yeah. he went after his son's killer and he ultimately killed him. But like he's doing the exact same thing. Samantha just wants to know he's off the streets. She again, she doesn't care if he's dead or alive. Um, and but like the fact that, like you said, he's now using Justin's death and, you know, I don't want to say making fun of her, but like making her feel bad for feeling the way that she does when he was exactly her, however many years ago. It's yeah. just like, really, Voight? Like, you get it. If anyone gets it, it should be Voight. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he's too worried about himself in this situation is so maddening. Yeah. And I'm, I, I put this later in the outline, but we'll, I guess we'll just mention it now is that, I mean, what happened in that warehouse was fucking selfish fucking selfish Voight took all that justice for himself when he needed it the least out of anybody yeah he took all that justice and kept it to himself yeah and I think Voight probably thought he was doing the right thing but again that's what makes it so selfish is that he wasn't thinking about he thought he was doing the right thing and getting this killer off the streets and, you know, someone who killed Samantha's son and really hurt Burgess and almost killed her and, you know, all this stuff. But it wasn't what necessarily Samantha needed. It wasn't necessarily what Kim is now going to need now that she's, you know, awake. And it's just, it wasn't really what they needed. Um, no. It's just, you know, it was And I guess, I guess for Voight, because Voight was never going to go about it by the book. So I guess I, arresting him wasn't going to be enough. Like he had to die. In Void's eyes, it was death or nothing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which which is also a terrible way to go about it, too. I mean, I'm not saying if he ended up dying because they were in a shootout or whatever, like, okay. But, like, there is other ways of justice besides killing somebody. Yeah. So Even the worst of worst of worst of humans, right? mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't have to always be death or bust, basically. Yeah. Like, if this guy you know they brought him in and he sat behind bars for until he died you know 60 70 years from now whatever like that's okay too yeah yeah and you know what that tells me by hank being like death or nothing that tells me that he doesn't believe in the system yeah i mean we i think he we clearly know that he doesn't believe in the system because if he did he wouldn't handle criminals the way that he does he wouldn't throw them in a cage he wouldn't put their faces against you know stove ovens that are on you know Mm -hmm. like he wouldn't do any of that stuff he wouldn't feel the need to torture these perps if he really truly believed in the system and I don't know where that comes from like I don't know if he had an incident you know as a younger cop that I like I don't know where that came from to make him feel this way 
um because we really don't know a lot about Voight's backstory except for the fact that obviously his wife had cancer and she died and like he raised Aaron a little like we don't really know that much about who Voight is and who his background is so I don't know what made Voight this way but I think it's clear that something happened to make him not believe in the system anymore and it's clearly he, he doesn't and I you know he doesn't um, side note, as we're talking about this, our friend Rachel, who's binging the series for the first time, she literally just texted and it just said, he got married in Vegas. <laughs> yes, Rachel. Severide did get married in Vegas. Yes. Yes, Rachel. Yes, he did. She's such a big Severide fan. I love it. We love it. I love it so much. Uh, no, I, it's it's disgusting to me that that's the way that Voight acts. And that's what he, I just, I, I, I have so many questions about that. And I, I wondered that too. I was like, why did he feel the need to take all the justice for himself this time? And I think the only thing I could think of is I'm like, well, maybe it's because he's lost, you know, he lost Aaron, he lost Al, he lost Justin, but that's still not reason enough to like, that's still not reason enough to, to do that, you know? Well, no, I think it goes back even beyond that because yeah, even back to when we first met Voight over on fire, he was still fudging with the system to try to get Justin out of, you know, trouble for that drunk driving incident. And then that's why he ended up torturing Casey and yada, going to jail in the first, like even before all of him losing Aaron and losing Al and all that stuff. So I think it's something clearly that happened maybe after Camille died. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, who knows, but there's something happened that made Voight realize that like the system is not the right way. And he's obviously been dirty this whole time. Yeah. And I think this does show us that like, you know, we, we, we've seen it over the years that, you know, Voight, Voight basically becomes this way when, when people he loves are messed with. So I, I mean, okay. Yeah. We can take away from this that like Voight loves his unit. He would just never say it, but like he cares yeah. for all six of them individually, but he would never actually out and say it, but still, I don't think his actions, it, nothing, absolutely nothing justifies. Yeah. I was going to say this. there's no, and that's what I'm saying is like, even if there is an incident that made Voight like this or whatever, like it still doesn't justify the fact that he's done it all this stuff. Like he's done all this terrible stuff since then. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's not death or bust. Like it, like it is okay for someone to be brought in, get tried, you know, with murder or whatever, and then sit behind bars without parole for 70 years. Like that mm-hmm. is also okay. Um, that person doesn't need to die for justice to be served. It's bad. My, like my dislike for Voight, like shot through the roof with this episode. Like I, I usually am like, I can't stand him, but then I try to temper it. I'm like, well, he's in charge. Like, I gotta deal with them. But this episode, I was like, no, fuck this guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, he makes me so angry. And so, um, they chase Mark's car to a warehouse. Cause you know, Mark takes off and Mark finds a different warehouse in Chicago. And he basically takes a hostage. Um, I do appreciate the misdirect here in the promo that they left us with. Cause you know, in, in the initial promo, you just see Hank go, all that matters is saving her life. And we're like, Oh, somebody at Ben's going to fuck up. He's talking yeah. about Burgess. He's not talking about Burgess. Not even close. Nope. I very much appreciate that misdirect. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. But Hank also conveniently insists on jamming cell phones and putting Jay in a sniper spot on the roof. So convenient. Although I appreciate Sniper J, but yeah, not, not the way we really should be handling this situation. The old school vibes of Jay on the roof. Like, I know it's just, yeah. And he's like, I got a shot. I got a shot. Like, I don't have a shot. I don't have a shot. It's just like, yeah, I love Sniper J. Can we also note that Jesse has not aged? But actually though. Jesse has not aged. I know. It's like scary. Yeah. He just, he's like fine wine. He just gets better with age. It's so unfair that men get better. 
It really is though. Cause they all like, I was thinking about it as we were, I was, we got all these promo shots. Um, damn. Like all the men on all these shows, like as we go through the years, I'm like, damn. Yep. Fine wine. Damn. Yep. Fine wine. Yep. Yep. So Mark takes the hostage and Mark is like, we're talking to, like, I'm talking to the boss. I insist on talking to the boss. Like we're doing this. And so Sam is like gearing up and Kev's like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and she's like, no, he wants the boss. He's going to get the boss. And Kev's like, with all due respect, that's a really bad idea. So Sam's like, well, you're coming with me then. So Haley and Voight talk to Mark, but Jay gets the shot in quite literally the nick of time. Like yeah. he saves Haley and Voight's ass without knowing that he saved Haley and Voight's ass. The every the, the precision of the scene is like crazy because yeah. the timing, first of all, yeah, that's great. The word choice in this scene is so important to how the scene plays out. So uh, basically, I mean, Haley and Voight are like negotiating with this guy. They're like, listen, like, you know, we know, like, just, you know, let the hostage go. We'll talk about it, whatever. And Haley is just saying, she's like, I'll tell the whole world about the story. Like, this is just between the three of us, you know? Um, and and like you said, like he steps into the light at like the right time and Jay gets the shot, like like a moment before Sam and Atwater show up. Like yeah. the precision of the, the scene is just like crazy. So it's the same with Voight grabbing the phone. There's literally like two moments, like brief teeny little periods of time, like a tiny little window that Voight has to grab the cell phone and stash it. He gets that window. Yeah. Like, and then even in the way that Haley and Haley and Mark and Voight were talking to each other, I mean, all Mark had to say was like, I know you guys, I saw you that night. Like, that's all he has to say. Like he, he just blabbed in front of the hostage and then what? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But also like, if he did blab in front of the hostage, would Voight have let her die? I don't like, think so. I, I don't think Voight would let an innocent civilian die. I, Maybe I'm putting too much faith in Voight, but I really don't think he did. Now, bribe her with money or anything else, you know, like get out, get out of jail free card, whatever. I don't think I would have, Voight probably would have done all of that, mm-hmm. but let her die to keep this. I don't know if, I think I'm a little hesitant to say even that. Like, I, I don't think he would have. Um, yeah, he, he definitely would have. I think he, he would have stooped to like basically everything else but that. Yeah. I, you know, give her money get out of jail free card you know etc cetera, etc cetera, all that stuff sure mm-hmm. but to make sure she didn't talk if he did you know if had mark had you know blabbed in front of her but you know i i don't think he would have let her die no now that i think about it he yeah you're right about that but he would he would have bribed slash threatened her yeah oh uh, yes 100%. it would have been a very very stern bribe if you get my yeah draft. like i said 100 percent. basically give her whatever she wants so she wouldn't talk but yeah yeah crazy so crazy so they like they do this side by side like after she's shot obviously and sam runs in and sam's like trying to save him like everything she's got and Haley's just kind of like so they do this side by side scene at med with mark and kim and mark doesn't make it so like they we'll get we'll get to the 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 other part of the side by side later but um mark does not make it and sam is beside herself she is just like a mess and she she finds hank in the parking lot and she's like no like we're gonna start over we're gonna bring it to the feds like we are going to do this we're gonna we're gonna basically like solve this problem and hank totally like minimizes it here hank's like we've got other cases that need our time bro 
Well, and the thing is, too, and again, the parallel between when he did this with Justin's killer and obviously now with Sam is that the fact that, like, when he did this with Justin's killer, he, it may not have been justice to us, but, like, he felt like he got justice, right? Like, he got his answer. He killed Justin's killer, and that was enough for him. Like, he knew what happened to Justin's killer. He didn't need him to be arrested and, you know, tried for murder, whatever. Like, he killed him. That was enough for Hank. But Samantha still has no idea whether Roy is alive or not. And obviously we know that he's not. Mm -hmm. But like, so for her, she still hasn't gotten the answers and the closure that she needs for her son's death. And like, it's just the fact that boy, she's like, eh. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you got that. And I think Samantha deserves to have that. And again, Samantha doesn't really care whether Roy is dead or alive. Mm -hmm. She just wants to have him found and have justice served to him. But she doesn't really care if he were to die in crossfire. Like, she doesn't care about that. She just wants to know that he's not going to do this to someone else's son. And the fact that she doesn't get that closure and Voight's just like, eh. It's like, what the fuck? Does Voight have any sense of empathy at all? I don't know. That's such a hard question. Because I want to say he does, but, like, everything that he does and says is, like, uh, does he? I don't know. Yeah. Like, part of me wants to be, like, okay, well, if anyone, because, again, if anyone can relate to what she's, Samantha's going through, it's Voight. And so part of me, like I said, wants to believe that he does, but, like, I really just, I don't think he does. Right. I think he's so worried about himself, and Haley, to some extent, I think he's so worried about himself and making sure that the murders cover it up that like he doesn't really care whether Samantha gets her answers or not. Right. Which yeah, that and that's disgusting. Like yeah. yeah. Disgusting. So then Voight basically tells Haley that it's over and he's like, it's you know, over. it's over but now you have to make peace. And there's just so many parts of this that make me so angry because he's just like, he's like, yeah, well, they're where they belong. And after everything Roy did, I'm not sorry about that. You're not sorry about it because you never pulled a damn trigger, Hank. Yeah. That's why you're not sorry about it. It's because somebody else did your dirty work. Yep. And then, and then he's like, well, you saved me. Let that be enough. You manipulative little shit. I can't believe he said, I mean, I can because it's Voight, but like, I can't believe he said that. Oh my God. Oh my God. But this begged the question to me at the end of this episode, is the Haley and Voight relationship, is it becoming abusive? In some ways. Abusive in that Hank knows that he has power over her and now he's, he's using it to his advantage. I think Voight has now realized that Haley has become almost in a bad way well he doesn't see it necessarily i think it's a bad way but like a clone of him like more than anyone else in intelligence has Mm -hmm. and i think he realizes that he can you know help use her user sounds so wrong but like you know use her to cover him up. i mean like i you know i just think that void have realizes that like she is becoming a mini void in some ways and he's not Instead of trying to stop it and be like, oh, no, like, there's no hope for me, but, like, I can help you not go down this road. Like, he's not willing to stop it. And I don't know what you call that. If you, like said, manipulative, abusive. Like, I don't know what you call that, but I think that's what this is. He's just, he realizes that she's become a mini boy, but she, he's not going to stop it. Not anymore. He was, he tried to stop it, but... Yeah, yeah, but at this point, it's gone too far. And instead of trying his best to save her, he, he he really doesn't. No, no. He is abusing, he's abusing her respect for him. 
Yeah, I think, yes, 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 100%. 100%. It, it's, yeah. oh, and it's so wrong. It's so wrong. Yeah. Like, well, the thing that gets me about this scene, I think, too, the most is that Voight's like, it's over. It is not over. It is not, no way in hell is it over. No, no way. No. And now she has to try and live with herself knowing that she she killed this man. Yeah. Like, even though it was a clean shoot, he was probably going to shoot Voight, but she's not going to be able to sleep at night now. Like, they, like, Voight just changed her forever. Well, and it's different too, right? Like, I think they've all had experiences where they've shot and it's really hurt someone or it's even maybe potentially killed people in the line of fire. Like, we've seen it, right? Like, time mm-hmm. and time again. But there's a difference between it happening in front of a bunch of other people and you're just, you know, exchanging crossfire and the guy ends up dead or whatever. And them truly with the intention of trying to kill this guy, murdering him and then covering it up. Like, you know, I don't think it was just the fact that she killed him because I think she's killed other people before, like I said, in exchanging crossfire. But like, this was murder. Like this was like intent to kill. Not just like, oh, he got caught in my crossfire. Yeah. And under, if he had, if he had called this in, if Hank had called this in, everything would be by the book. It would be a totally clean shoot. Right. And if they, you know, everyone else has just gotten there a little bit too late, then it's still no big deal. Right. Right. But he didn't, he tried to be all void about it and it, you know, and Haley got caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Figuratively. Yeah. So fucked. It's so fucked. Yeah. Uh, Um, Thankfully, what's not fucked are the Berziks. Thank God. The I mean, Berziks. we kind of knew just from behind the scenes stuff eventually that like Kim was going to be okay. But for a really long time there, we didn't know. We didn't. We know. really didn't know. All summer, it was basically us just going back and forth and being like, they wouldn't kill Kim. Would they? Yeah, it'd be like randomly. It'd be like, you know, like 10 p.m. at night and Gina would just text me. They're not going to kill her, are they? And I'm like, I don't <laughs> think so. Go to bed, Gina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but the Berzix though. The Berzix, take it away, Brenna. So Adam finally gets to med. You know, he had to call babysitter for Michaela, all that stuff, but he finally make, gets to med. Kim made it through her surgery. She's still not out of the woods by any means, but she did make it through her surgery, but her doctor is not great. Oh my God, this guy. The first thing I saw though, when I saw that, it, I was like, oh, thank God, it's not someone we like. <laughs> I was like, it's we have no relationship no to him. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay. Like as long as it's not Marcel, I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he basically is just like trying to speak in circles and generality is Adam is just like all of us. Cause he's like, okay, but I just want to know, like, is she going to be okay? And he won't like give her, give him a real answer. Do you remember that episode of One Tree Hill when I think this was season four, when Lucas had the heart attack and uh, he was like, he was basically with Keith, like while yeah, he was and under. His, and yeah, yeah. every time he asked Keith the question, Keith was like, that hasn't been written yet. Yeah. Like, this is the doctor. Adam's like, okay, I just need to know, like, is she going to be okay? That hasn't been written yet. Like, yeah. All this doctor had to say was, well, she could get better or she could get worse. It's either one. Right. That's yeah. all he's he like, had to Basically, say. he's like, I don't know. And it's just like, okay, well, what do you know? And he's just, yeah. I don't know. So then we get what, like, threw us all for, you know a tizzy from the promo which is the dramatic bedside shot of like adam holding her hand you know she's still not awake but like adam's holding her hand and like surprisingly even though adam is like internally freaking out he's doing like a pretty good job at like keeping it together he is isn't he like i i thought for sure he'd be like beside himself but he's not yeah 
So, but of course, like Kim's doctor again has to come and ruin it. Like Adam tries to just go outside and ask her how she is and you know when she's gonna wake up. And the doctor's like basically like she's struggling, and it's like okay. And he's like, you know, and Adam's like, okay. So what does that mean? And the guy's just like internal trauma, blood loss, and it's like that doesn't answer the freaking question. That's what happened, not how. Yeah. Oh man. So then Adam again, because Adam's still at the hospital, Platt's still at the hospital. Everyone else is left to go, you know, try to find Roy. But, you know, Adam and Platt's still there. And they talk about Michaela. What about Michaela? I mean, poor kid. She's already lost one mother. I mean, she can't. She keeps asking me about Kim, and I keep just saying that she's at work. But I gotta, I mean, tell her what's going on, right? If you think that's best. I mean, should I bring her down here to see Kim? You know, just in case? Because I feel like Michaela's got a right to see her, you know, and that it might bring closure in case, you know? It's like the other part of me, I wanna protect her from all of this. She's finally doing good, she's finally happy. And I just, I don't know what Kim will want me to do. Hey, Adam. There is no right or wrong answer here. There just isn't. Dad, um, oh my God. He's such a dad. I know. Oh my God. And that just continues into the next scene because so we cut to Adam's gone home. Well, home to Kim's apartment and with Michaela and we see Michaela painting Adam's nails. Oh my God. Uh, it's so cute. And it's then so Adam cute. calls her Mick. I'm just like, put a uh, stick of fork in me. I'm done. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, But he does like a really, I know that's what obviously he was struggling talking to Platt with, but he does like a really good job of actually explaining, you know, in terms that Michaela's going to understand like what has happened. And, you know, he's just like, you know, Kim got hurt on the job and she's like, well, is he going to be okay? And Adam, you know, and she's basically like, I don't know if I should take you to see her or whatever. And, but Michaela basically just like, you know, I want to see her. Like, she's my best friend. Like, she'd want to see me. And I was just like, oh my God. Ugh. And so again, they have that whole side-by-side thing of Mark and Kim, but then what we ends up coming out of it is Kim is awake. Thank God. That fake out was so not a fake out either. Like they, they tried to make us think that something had happened. When Adam goes back to Michaela, A, he's smiling and B, if something bad had happened, he wouldn't have grabbed Michaela to take him with her. Yeah. Or like take her with him. Michaela, yeah, they're at the hospital and Adam and Michaela go into Kim's room and I like said, Kim's awake and Michaela has brought her platypus that's Uh. like kept her safe for Kim and Kim's like, you know, no, like that's your platypus and she's like, no, 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 like you can have it, you know, like you need it and it's just like, oh my God. And then we don't even see anything else really Berzik related except for Adam winks at her and it's just like, oh my God. That wink was like everything we needed. Everything we needed. A and B, it was it like that wink like threw me against the wall. Like that <laughs> wink could like that wink is like world peace and like <laughs> bring down buildings. It was so powerful. Yeah, I didn't need anything, but that that was I was like, okay, I'm okay right now. I'm yeah. good. No, that good. that 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 blink might have registered on the Richter scale. Like it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 
So later on, Haley comes to see Kim and, you know, Adam and Michaela, they've all left, whatever. And Kim asks Haley, like, if they found Roy. And, you know, she's like, I didn't want to ask, you know, Adam while Michaela's in the room. But she's like, did did you find him? And Haley straight up lies. And, you know, at this point, like, Kim's obviously disappointed because she wants the guy who did this to her, like, off the street. And it's just like, really? Like, we're going to have Haley. I mean, I, I guess that Haley can't say anything else because then she goes down for murder and not only takes Voight down with her, but like she then would get pinned for murder. But it's like, really? Like, you're going to lie to Kim? Like, I just, I still couldn't believe it. I, I still couldn't believe it. I think Haley is so wrapped up in covering it up that she doesn't even realize the, what, she doesn't even realize what that means to for Burgess. Like, yeah. That, yeah. Well, and obviously we've seen kind of in interviews that like, Haley's gonna feel really guilty that she just basically like and Kim is you know racked with all this PTSD and stuff and like Haley's gonna be feeling really guilty and like I I'm curious to see how this plays out yeah big time big time because I mean there was a little a little quote we got this week that you know Marina basically said she was like you know Kim feels like Roy is still out there trying to get her yeah and so yeah I, I think I think it's lost on Haley the magnitude of the magnitude to Kim of being like, no, like we don't have Roy. He's still, he's technically still alive. Yeah. Yeah, man. I know. I know. And it goes back to what we were saying. Boyd did a selfish, selfish thing. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Moving into the upsteads. Oh boy. Oh Jesus. Oh boy. Okay. Oh Jesus. Okay. So this opening up said scene there, it's literally like, it's, it's the proposal continued. Yeah. And like, they're talking and she's just like, I love you more than anything. Like, I don't want to let you go. And Jay's like, I don't want to let you go either. Like what, where, where is, where is this coming from? Um, but they get interrupted by the phone and he's like, no, like we have to go to the hospital. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to take a quick shower. And she's just, I mean, she's rattled big time rattled. Rattled is an understatement. Like, Something I noticed when I was rewatching it today before we started recording that I didn't necessarily notice the first time around. Did you see the like blood in her hands? Mm-hmm. What is that from? Is that think, from like Roy? I think, yeah, I think it's Roy's blood. But then why did Jay not notice it and be like, where did that blood come from? Where's well, the blood on she, you? Like, she like ran her finger through her hair. So I wonder if it's like, it was like in her scalp or something like interesting it, yeah it was something that jay didn't see i just i thought i like because i noticed it i was like wait that's blood and i was like that's gotta be roy's blood but like how did jay not notice it i was like wait what huh it was probably hidden or like maybe it was like on her neck or something and her hair her hair was like it was up but it was like really long so maybe he didn't maybe i don't notice. know i just i anyway do you think this has broken her what the proposal no the the roy. killing roy mm-hmm. yeah how could it not I know and especially the fact that like Voight is trying to take her down I mean Haley's the one that ultimately killed him but like Voight took her down I mean how could it not like how how could it not right yeah yeah so she's showering and it's just on her mind and you know we see it and how she's talking to Jay we see it and how she's scrubbing her hands and Jay's worried Jay's like she's acting weird like something's up like he, he just knows so later on in the episode, he finds her puking her guts out, like we were saying, and she's really defensive. And Jay's just like, okay, like, I'm just caught that. Something is up. Something's yeah. up. And then we get to the end. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. Why'd you propose? Because I want to be with you. I want us. I want to know that I can have normalcy and stability in my life. That no matter how bad things feel, at the end of the day, I know they'll be okay because I'll love you. Are you sure that it wasn't just Kim? You saw what happened to her? I don't know. Maybe. But why does that matter? I love you more than I ever thought possible. Maybe it took Kim getting shot to give me the courage to tell you that. Yes. What? I love you. And I've known since I've known for years that I want it to be you and me, always. Haley, will you marry me? You don't have to do that. I already did the proposal part. Well, I'm old fashioned, okay? Holy shit. What? What just Holy happened? I still, I mean, I've now watched this now, I don't even know how many times, and I still can't believe that that's actually what happened. Screaming at the TV. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny. Okay, so we got these screeners, what was it, last weekend? A week ago, yeah. Yeah, a week ago, almost two weeks ago from when you guys are watching this or listening to this. And it was literally, we got the emails. We were on Zoom with our friends and it was like 11 at night and we got it the emails late, and we were like, yeah. holy shit. And then we literally basically jumped off Zoom. We were like, guys, we got to go. Like, we can't like sit here anymore and pretend like we're not like internally freaking out. Yeah, we were like, no, we got to so, go. Fire. Watched, yeah. yeah, I watched Fire first and Gina watched PD and you texted me and you were like, you have to watch PD immediately and FaceTime me. And I was like, oh, fuck. I didn't really know what to expect. I did not expect this. And then it happened and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah. oh my God, holy shit. I, holy and I knew shit. you too. And we, we had pretty much started around the same time. So I knew we were going to finish around the same time. And I yeah. specifically was like, do not go to bed. Do not. Like yeah. screaming at the well, TV. And then yeah so then it's like 1 a.m we're facetiming we're like holy shit holy shit i can't believe that happened and then once we got off facetime i still probably went back and watched it like another like five times because i just i still can't believe it I, me neither me neither i that yes was the last thing i thought i'd hear well not only was the yes the last thing i thought i'd hear but then jay like turns around and like reproposes and gets down on one knee and i was just like what what the fuck so, so in the best the, way, but like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the deal: is I think I think what we're gonna end up with this season is that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look at this proposal in a bubble, 
Because I think as, as wonderful as this is and how sweet and how so gorgeous it is and how I like, can't stop looking at the screen grab, I, this is going to be a bad season for Upstead. Yeah, it's they're. I'm not saying they're done forever, but they're definitely breaking up at some point this season. This is a bad season for them. This is not going to be a good season. It's not going to be good. No. And that was like our gut reaction to like we were on FaceTime at 1 a.m. in the morning and we were like, this is not going to end well. No. Like gut reaction is like, this is great. But like, this is not going to end well. Okay, but let's just go back to the bubble and look at the proposal scene. Oh my God, it's so cute. Oh, I love, I love it. I love then, that. Again, I wasn't expecting him to turn around and repropose to her and get down on one knee, but I loved everything about that. Everything. I love when he was like, I've known for years that I wanted to just be you and me. Oh, ah, ah, dying. Just, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my god! I, I yeah, I can't stop just saying. Oh my god! I know it's and like, so shit. sweet. It's oh, it's perfect. It really is. Just, just it really is. Yeah, it's gonna just be in a bubble. Like they're engaged. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> something we haven't talked about. Do you think they tell people like next episode? <gasps> like, are is the unit gonna know? Like, are they engaged? I never even thought of that. Oh my I god! I didn't either until literally just right now. <laughs> I don't know. Or like, do they keep it to themselves? I think they keep it to themselves. I think so too. I think, especially while Kim is still like under, you know, like on the mend, I think they're like, well, for Kim, you know, like we don't need, you know, I think we just keep it to ourselves for a little bit. But I I think they eventually, I don't, I don't know. I think if they, especially if they do eventually tell the unit, that's going to make when it falls apart that it's going to. That much worse. Yeah. Okay, update on Rachel. She just texted again and said, Cruz is a Zumba instructor? <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Anyway, but yes, anyway. Uh, I think they'll keep it on the DL. But you know what I'm going to be really mad about is if Will finds out and we don't see it. Oh my God. Yes. And okay. Go ahead. Mom's go ahead. ring. What are I they doing? Say, yeah. I was going to say, does Jay get the mom's ring? Does he go buy another one? Do we see Haley wear a ring? Like, all the questions. All the questions. Okay. I also have another question. When, okay. I have to break the bubble for just a second. Cause okay. we're theorizing okay. here. When do we think shit hits the fan? Oh, I think it hits sooner rather than later. I think so too. Only because Jesse said in that interview that like Jay has now kind of gotten to the point where he's like snooping and trying to like mm-hmm. figure it out. And they're only filming. They just started filming episode six. So, like, I don't think we got that much time. No. But you better bet I'm going to enjoy it while we got it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens this season, no matter what crazy shit hits the fan, we will always have that proposal scene. Always. 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 And it's beautiful. It's so good. It's so good. Oh. I just want to, like, just sit back and just, like, bask in it for like however long and just be like oh this was so wonderful like we will always have the proposal no matter how crazy shit gets um but if you're listening to this and you still want to be in the warm happy upset bubble you can now go to our tea public and purchase the upset proposal design that gina made because it's beautiful and yeah 
thank you. Yeah, it's um, I've been tinkering with that for weeks. So I'm like, Brenda, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. You're like, it's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm like, yes, it does. Well, no, it was literally like the next day too. And you were like, I got to make a shirt. And I'm like, okay, go for it. Like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Go for it. So we will always have the proposal. Hey, just remember that no matter what happens, we will always have it. Always. And again, I, I don't think this season is going to be the upset season. It's not going to be a good upset season, it's not. but I do think eventually, you know, they're going to, they're going to be together. They're in game. Like oh, yeah. whether, whether or not they break up right now, like they're going to be in game. It's going to be fine in the end. Guess what, everybody upsets engaged. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We can enjoy it for right now, but yeah. For right now. Yeah. Right now we're in the bubble right now. We are in, we're in the bubble. It's the great. Bubble. Yes. In the bubble. Oh my goodness. Any other notes on PD? I, I, I'm, I'm, again, we haven't seen promos as of right now when we're recording. So I don't know what next week's promo looks like, but I'm really curious to see, you know, where all this goes. And I, yeah. Our babies are back. I know. All of our babies are back. All of them. It feels good. And everyone's alive and not yeah. happy yet, but they will be eventually. Remember that time we really thought Taylor was gone and Marina was gone. Like we really, we were really like, yeah, we were scared. We were really scared. Yeah. We but, were real scared, but we're all good, but they're, they're fine. They are safe and sound. Yeah. For now. And upsets engaged. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> we're just never going to shut up about it. It's fine. No. No. And after the shit hits the fan, we're probably going to be like, guess what? Upstead was engaged once. <laughs> yeah. I think every day for at least the next week, we just need to tweet. Hey guys, reminder Upstead's engaged. I think every day yes. just for the next week, we need to tweet that like, Hey, here's your daily reminder that Upstead is engaged. Yep. Yep. That's happening. That's a thing that's happening. Yep. Yep. Go ahead and schedule those tweets. <laughs> yep. I will. I will do that. So, um, I won't do it till after the premieres air though, because that would like be really yeah bad. well god forbid something happened and like the wrong date was clear. yeah that would be bad okay let's just hope this time because again we're recording this on saturday okay remember when upstead kissed and it just so happened to originally be planned to air on january 6th and then like a thing happened and it got pushed a week that, that's and then it happen. got spoiled yeah we're not nope 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 i know we're not yeah we still got a couple more days so far the only thing that was spoiled was the nail polish scene which was a bummer but yeah. Okay, I can live with that. Upstead's engaged. <laughs> it's never going to get old. No, it really isn't. It really isn't. So, um, as always, Chihards, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all across the board. I will start making gifts again, okay? Like, I've got to, I've got to. I know, we keep always saying we're going to be really good about our Tumblr, and then we'll be good for, like, a week, and then we forget about it. Yeah. Um, so, we really do need to be better about our tumblr gifts take a lot of time to make i know but we even our reblogging i'm always like yeah i'll just go reblog everyone else's stuff and i just i i i don't i need to be better about it photoshop i'm definitely googling this right now you know what you can make gifts and procreate i need to learn how to do that haha get on it yeah okay so yeah you guys know where to find us all across the board um i know i just said that follow us individually on twitter i'm at gina watches tv brianna I am at Brenna K13. Um, just a reminder, we do have a T Public store. We've also got a Patreon. If you would like to check out either one of those, please check out the link in our socials. T Public has sales like all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So, um, get you yeah. a mug or like a shirt or a notebook or something. You know, 
whatever you want. Um, get, yeah, get you like some wall art of the Upstead proposal. My God. Like, yeah. yeah. Just celebrate in the bubble for now. I want to just like rent an airplane and that's going to like drag that screenshot <laughs> around for like hours. Oh man, that would be, that would be hysterical. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, I want that burned into my brain forever. Forever and ever. And ever and ever and ever and ever. So uh, yeah, if you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, could you please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes? We would so greatly appreciate that. Uh, normal schedule goes forward. So episodes two will be next week and we will be there to recap it. And maybe we'll have some interviews in between. Who knows? So stay tuned yeah. and take care. And we will see you guys next week. Upsets engaged. Bye. <laughs>